I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NBA. Episode 44, zero, 40 episodes. Can you believe it? Of a gay and his MB. I certainly can't. Thank you all so much for listening to us wherever it is that you've done for these 40 episodes, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, across the board. We are so thankful for everyone who tunes in and listens. Be sure. Uh, when you do listen to leave a rating or a review wherever you listen to us, uh, because that helps us get into the algorithms of the various podcast networks and gets more people to listen to us. So we always really appreciate it wherever you leave a rating or a review. Uh, be sure to also go check out our merch store over at againismb.threadless.com. We have merchandise, uh, six different designs that you can get on a variety of different things, including not just T-shirts, but mugs, towels, uh, blankets, various other items uh, across the board that uh, are just really nice to have a cool little cute design on. And we got plenty of them over at agaysmb.threadless.com. Be sure to check it out there. Be sure to follow us on all our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and now Threads, uh, where we are posting new content over there all the time, including clips from the podcast and so much more. Um, and also, if you guys have a question for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, you can send it to us across any of those social media platforms that I just listed, or you can email us at agayandhismb at gmail.com, and we may answer it on a future episode of the podcast. Babe, what do we have in store on this episode, this 40th episode? Well, on this amazing 40th episode, we have, uh, we, we got to talk about Atlanta, got yes. to talk about everything happening on Atlanta. We got a lot to say, I feel, this week on Atlanta. Uh, when don't we have a lot to say about Atlanta? <laughs> well, when it's not on and we get to review uh, Martha's Vineyard, check that out from last week. Yes, yes, Episode yes. 39, we talked about amazing summer Summer House, uh, Martha's Vineyard. But this week, um, we're talking about Atlanta. Oh, well, I was going to say congratulations to them on season two that yes. just got announced. Oh, and we are so sad that Silas won't be joining us for <laughs> season two because he's on deployment. Anyway, uh, we're also going to talk about um, Orange County. Yes, um, Real Housewives of Orange County, which has always been good this season. Like, yes, they're wrapping up their Montana. They wrap it up this week? Yes, right? yes, yes, and, yes. Yeah, they're wrapping up their Montana trip. Uh, this week and coming back to the OC, um, and that that is always exciting to see the fallout from those trips. But before we get to anything else, anything else, we're going to talk about all the Real Housewives stuff. We got to talk about some drag queens over on RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars Season Eight. All Star Season Eight, final three, yet not the finale. Um, <laughs> I. I don't even know why I was so opinionated about this episode when we were watching it. Like I was literally, I literally at the end, like 20 minutes after was still ranting and I was like, okay, but why am I ranting? Cause like none of this matters. Like, <laughs> like with drag race, it's like, you just watch drag. Like there's no real bad season of drag race anymore because you just kind of like, you know, we all just sit and watch it and we love the outfits and we love the, you know, yeah, you know, there's no like, you know, the, the, there shouldn't be that many intense feelings really at the end of the day but for some reason with the, and it wasn't anything on the it was just the the production side of things where i was getting annoyed by certain things oh we, yeah we talked last week about the fact that we apparently are doing a final two and that's yeah. a choice <laughs> i when we eventually found out what they're doing with the fame games i was like okay, I like that a little better than what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, we thought it was just going to be a showcasing of the Fame Games 
um, looks. The, the looks that were eligible to win the Fame Games. But, you know, I, I mean, I'm glad that they're doing the variety show. Are we supposed to take that into account? Because, I'm guessing. But the Fame Games website opens at midnight tonight. Was it tonight? I thought it was a... F- oh, I guess, t- yeah. Well, no, tomorrow. No, it's midnight tonight, which is the 14th. That's oh, when the that's voting when, opens. But that's when, I forget, that's when the episode gets put on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, that's right. And it's probably going to be Eastern time, or Western, uh, what's that? other t- Pacific. There we Which, go. Can I also rant on that for a second? Sorry. <laughs> Str- uh, streaming platforms, stuff like that. When you have weekly televised programs that, particularly that you're taking from other net- networks and are as popular as things like Drag Race are, um, can we get a bet, like... I get like international, like you would think, oh, just midnight, whatever time, like internet, you know, because everyone's in a different country, different time zones, different whatever. Drop it at when it would normally air. Please, please, because I. Twitter has been a cesspool. I, it's, it's like dodging fucking bullets trying to avoid goddamn spoilers before I can get home from work and actually watch it. Yeah. Like, and of course, I'm sitting at home all day and I work from home, but like. Because I work from home, like half of my day is scrolling social right. media, and it's like I can't, I, I can't avoid this shit. And for the last like three weeks in a row, I've known who the bottom two are. I've known who goes home. I've known who the lip sync assassin is. I've known, you know, who wins the challenge. All of this stuff, right? It's like you can't avoid it. It's just there needs to be a, a. A fast rule for every net, every streaming platform when they're doing this kind of stuff. Because like we're even like, I remember a lot of people were complaining with the traders and stuff like that. Yeah, that they just released everything at once and that it was like a bit like and it ruins the online. Like some shows, it's fine. Yeah, like if it's a show that's like um, Wednesday, who with that released weekly on Netflix amazing show if you haven't watched it and you love like the spookier side of things especially coming into fall it's a great watch and we're getting season two here soon well who knows with all the strikes going on yeah so yeah, yeah. so you know go watch uh the first season at the very least it, it's very good but that sort of show does not lend to a weekly discussion on mm-hmm. online. It doesn't lead to a was this person wronged? What like that that's not the discourse, right? Right. As this, opposed to like say like White Lotus. Like White Lotus was a show that like everyone it, right. it became a weekly event right. on Twitter as well of people discussing what who they thought was gonna get Everybody killed. Everybody and their mama was live tweeting that show. Yeah. And it's just like I think there needs to be a like that need there needs to be a consideration put into account for that because there are especially if there's a certain cult following with a show mm-hmm. like there are good shows but then there are shows that have that like intense cult following right and to me like the discussion the sort of like what we used to know is like water cooler talk mm-hmm. or whatever like that's happening online now and so it's just like I don't know. Like, you you need to time it better. Like, if you know that these shows are going to get a following and it's going to... Like, producers, y'all know when this... Y'all know when you have that kind of show on your hands. You just know when you're getting lightning in a bottle. So, like, time it. Release it in prime time. Don't release it in in the middle of the night and then you have, like, you know, um, rando... 
goblins like me online (laughs) at 4 a.m. that are watching it and then posting and spoiling it for everybody when they get up in the morning. Yeah. Like, people have lives. People can't get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to watch your show. So put it out at a normal time that people are watching TV. Right. Like, I don't, I don't get why we're doing this because you know that these shows like traders, like project runway, like, um, like RuPaul's drag race have a weekly following and a weekly discourse. Time your show release accordingly. Yeah. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. Um, let's start with the episode, though. They come back into the workroom after uh, Alexis got sent home. Um, Jimbo is still in full character voice, which I know last week you were... It was so funny. Uh, yeah, it was <laughs> very committed to the bit. Um, we always love that. Um, you know, Alexis! I, yeah. And there's, of course, still all this discussion about, like... Because uh, Candy's basically trying to work her way out of, like, why she voted for Alexis, even though she had the conversation with her on the couch, mm, et cetera. Mm. And just basically being like, well, I saw what she did to Lala, and so I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get conscious, you know. And it was, like, it was a good enough excuse. But, like, just say you were tired of it. Yeah. Just say you were tired of her energy and you wanted to get rid of her. That's fine. Like, at least it's honest. Like, just don't fucking lie to us. Well, also, like, I, it's like she, the week before, was like, if I, say, if I save you, will you save me? What am I supposed to say in that moment? No. Like, like. You I know mean, that's, that's fair. But, like, if you're backed into a corner, like, you have to honor that shit. Because otherwise, people are going to start going, oh, okay, well, I'm going to make you think you're safe and then just send you home anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we come into the workroom the next day, and they have a mini challenge. So they're basically having to design and model looks based on a John Paul Gaultier perfume bottle. So basically, they get their own perfume label mm-hmm. sort of thing. This wasn't particularly, um, I like Jessica like did a jungle vibe, and like Candy's was more sort of like diamonds are a girl's best friend mm-hmm. sort of like it. What nothing particularly stood out. I kind of wish they were switch up the mini challenges a little bit more. They kind of love doing this like photo shoot challenge. That's I like, mean, but they've done 80 million seasons of drag race at this point. Mini challenges. Right. But go back to some of the, the older ones that I think were real. Like, remember when they used to always do like the teleprompter ones where they would like, have to make them read like really hard, like teleprompter, like, yeah. like reels or stuff like that. I mean, as long as they don't bring that stupid thing where you got the balls and the pantyhose and you got like that. Well, it's it's like, are we at summer camp? Like, it's, it, that was so awkward. Yeah. It's like there needs to be somewhat of a balance, I think, in my view. Um, but Jessica ends up winning. Um, again, it was kind of light. I, uh, nothing, like I said, nothing stood out for me in this mini challenge. And I think my, uh, my issue with this particular episode overall, there was a lot of filler mm-hmm. and a lot of like stretching mm-hmm. to where it was like, I kind of, I would have liked even maybe even more time spent with the makeovers. Honestly, if there's, you know, yeah. instead of some of this fluff, you know, in my view. But speaking of that, I kind of jumped ahead of the gun, but the main challenge is a makeover challenge, final three makeover challenge. And, uh, <laughs> what's it's, the twi- it's a weird time to do a makeover challenge. Yeah. Where's, was it you that was saying that like, it kind of worked only having three of them because a, a little bit, but 
I don't know. It's just, it feels weird. Like, I'm glad that we got to spend a little bit more time with each of the makeovers, but it still felt like it was not enough. It felt like they were still um, formatting it like we had five or six queens doing the makeover. Ch- you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think, because I, I think what you were saying was that because it was the whole, like, if you're not in the top, you're in the bottom thing. Therefore, it's like, oh, we don't have to, like, say that you're in the bottom. Oh, right, for, like, right. You know, like. that always makes the, the makeover person feel bad. Yeah, and it's just this, like, you know, you know, man off the street or whatever, like coming in to just like have a good time. And you're just basically being like, well, you did terrible. Like, yeah, I think it was an untucked candy said something about like, by the way, guys, if whoever's in the bond, it has nothing to do with you as your, as our make OVs. And it's like, that's technically not true. Um, uh, because uh, that is evident from the two people who were not in the top. Yeah. Um, but the twist for this makeover challenge, uh, cause it's like, who's the subject they're all lesbians. <laughs> it's just like it, they made they made it work into like the way Rue set it up. I like what Rue said about like you know they are sort of the the ardent defenders of the LGBT community across the board. Like when you know they were so influent um, influential and important in terms of the queer rights movement. Well, like, and they like lesbians by and large were the people who took care of queer mm-hmm. men and trans women during the age crisis. Right. So like they were like a lot of our nurses and, and whatnot. And, and like there were lesbians who took up, um, who made safe houses for people because people were getting kicked out of their homes for being diagnosed with HIV. Yeah. Like it, it was a problem. So they were setting up safe houses and halfway houses for people with HIV and AIDS so that they could be safe and weren't on the streets. Um, lesbians really were like the um, forefront of the community. And it's the reason that the acronym got changed mm-hmm. from GLBT to LGBT to honor lesbians. That's why they were put first. Yeah, we do love us some lesbians. Um so they get paired off uh, with their uh, respective partners and kind of are sort of giving them the rundown of everything and going through everything. There's a lot of talk, um, particularly with Candy's um, um, makeover, about like sort of the, I guess you could say dysphoria, I guess would be the best word for it, of like, yeah. you know, uh, starting to like sort of embrace their more masculine sides when they were being told over and over again at a very young age, like you have to be feminine, you have to be feminine. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, then having to don ultra feminine, like attire essentially. Um, I thought that the discussion around that was really interesting and, and done really well and, and handled with a, a good level of respect. Right. I would say for everyone. Well, and that's one thing that I love about drag uh, just in general, like the whole point is embracing the thing that is stigmatized, whether it's something that was forced on you as a cis woman right. or something that was demonized as a cis boy or something that you always wanted to embrace as a trans woman, you know, like all these different things. Uh, femininity has always been this either demon or unobtainable thing for so many queer people and being able to embrace that and celebrate it 
and at the same time kind of, you know, giving the middle finger to the patriarchy. Yeah. Like the whole point is going, you can't control what this looks like and being able to, I think that that was especially powerful for Candy's makeover because it was re-embracing that and saying, you can't take femininity from me Mm -hmm. even though I am a masked lesbian. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I, I really, I really love the makeover challenge. Um, in theory, um, <laughs> it's, it's it's all it's never, only in the judging. It's like only the, in the judging. judging is always shitty. Yeah. Um. But yeah. It's it's yeah. But the stories are always good, and it it, it allow, I I feel like a lot of times it's a way to do the more tragedy elements of the show and do it in a very earned way. Like sort of like it, it felt really yeah. earned. Like throughout the process of this. Um, Jimbo's, uh, makeover, uh, is talking about, uh, it's kind of trepidation about the whole like clown drag, like mm-hmm. sort of like that vibe and wanting to do something a little more glamorous, um, which Jimbo ends up, you know, ab- ab- obliging, ab- obliging with, excuse me. Um, and there, but also there is like, um, she's also plus sized. And so there, you know, Jimbo basically has to make a whole new outfit essentially, which yeah. that is kind of, you know. Well, and she did a good job, honestly. She had, like, those longer gowns that she was able to turn into... Shorter dresses. Shorter dresses and really make something that didn't look like it had been pieced together from other garments. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I always get frustrated when they judge somebody that did a shitty job on the merit of, well, but look at all the work that they did. It's like, okay, but it looks shitty. Who gives a shit how much work? But right. Jimbo's actually looked good, and she did a lot of extra work that nobody else had to do. So, like, yeah, like, I, I feel like that deserves some extra points. I feel like there's a nuanced way to judge that, but I, I don't know. Yeah. There's also, it, it, for some, it was funny to me in the beginning for some reason, um, I, but, and they kind of get into more in-depth conversations by later. There's also all this discussion about, because uh, I think Candy's, um, I believe it was Candy's, um, I, yeah, it had to have been. Uh, she identifies not just as a lesbian, but specifically as a dyke. And so there's all this right. discussion about the word and, like, sort of reclaiming it. And, like, I only, the moments I laugh were just Candy being like, you know, yeah, it resonates with me, you know, too. Like, my mom also, identi- my, my mom is also a dyke. And it's like, there's just something about Candy saying that sentence. And especially in the middle of the conversation of, well, can gay men say dyke? Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they talk about that later of, like, sort of, like. What's the you know and not candy they, dry, dropping it every three seconds? Sure, and it, it's hard. And but also, it's like if you're if you're accepting that as a label, right? Right. Because you know, and I, I forgot which one was talking about. Like, I do it for like political reasons. Like, and it's sort of like you know is part of my identity and right. sort of like in the reclaiming of that well, it's, word. It's like reclaiming the word queer. Yeah. Um, you know, like it was used for as a slur for a very long time. Um, and like so many people are re-embracing that word. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it, it is, it's a political statement. It's a, I mean, literally I'm wearing the shirt and you can buy it at <laughs> a gay it is envy.threadless.com. But not gay isn't happy, but queer isn't fuck you because it right. is. It's it's a middle finger to the status quo, and it's saying we are not like you. We are nothing like you. We have our own culture. We have our own 
our own ways and we are just we're not you so stop acting like we should be acting like you yeah and i think like you know yeah uh, it's also like talking about it in the discussion of like you know so you identify as such so like for example like you and i have talked about like you know i you weren't very um uh before like early time when we got together like you weren't uh very comfortable with the use of the word fag right like, and sort of like that that sort of like reclaiming and to stuff me like it that. depends on how you're using it right same like i like to weaponize it against straight people that's always fun <laughs> like when they're being really homophobic but they're like tiptoeing around it they're like just say it just call me a faggot. I know you want me to. I, I know that's what you want. So just say it. It's fine. I give you a pass. It's like that video. I can't remember the actor's name, but there's a, a black actor on a news um, doing an interview at a news station mm. where they're talking about the use of the N-word. And he's like, oh, then say it. Then say it. <laughs> just just say it. I love that. It's it's such a good, powerful clip. It's It's... Very, I, I've used that same principle. It's like just, just call me a faggot. You'll feel better. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just get it out. And I always, I, I wonder myself sometimes of like, because I, I kind of was more sort of like, I never had the issue with it, but I also think you and I also had very different upbringings in terms of like our home, like, like trauma or like mm-hmm. bullying or whatever that we face in terms of homosexuality. I didn't get it as much. Uh, necessary. I mean, not nothing that I probably did, but like nothing that like ever like intensely stuck in my mind in terms of like you know like because also I didn't come out till I was like twenty two, so and it was a lot of like even personal discovery for me then. So it was you know I I wrestle with it myself of like you know is my comfortability using the word because of you know because you have I don't the privilege have of it not being used against you as right. much right 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 yeah. So it's I, but I think it's an interesting discussion, and it was, it was just an interesting discussion. I don't, I feel like on Drag Race, I haven't heard the words "fag" and "dyke" like uncensored as much as yeah. in that episode, and so that was kind of even then they didn't say "fag" on on that episode. We're saying it a lot here, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll put a trigger warning at the top of at the. Uh, in the episode description. Yeah, but like, so, but I, I appreciate, my point is I kind of appreciated it in the sense of like, you know, this is still an MTV, like, quote, you know, people talk a lot about Drag Race going mainstream and sort of maybe being a little sanitized in parts um, because it's in front of a more like wide, uh, widespread audience. So I really appreciated like, like them talk. It's kind of like what I think it was season. Oh yeah, it was season fourteen when they talked about things like Folsom and stuff like that. And I was oh, like, right. oh wow, we're getting we're getting to like talk about like this side of stuff on national television to where like we don't have to worry that the straights are listening. Like, well, uh, that backfired on us because now they're using Folsom uh, sure. like to just weaponize against the whole. But fuck queer them. Community. They're you know they're yeah. gonna they were gonna find something. But fuck them. <laughs> I'm sure they'll love that. Um, <laughs> let's go to the main stage. And the guest judge is um, Zoe Deschanel, who I did not recognize. Yeah, she's one of those people that you put her in a different context that she looks completely different. I. She also dyed her hair, I'm pretty sure. And that was like what was throwing me off. And like, like when they were showing the panel, I thought it was just some actress from like, like, like some like big popular like TV series that I don't watch like basically and then when Rue said zoe deschanel i was like excuse me 
<laughs> Where? <laughs> but no. Uh, yeah. So they all uh, head down the runway. Uh, we start with... Oh, and we also... They gave them also the added thing of also that you... They always do the like, here's a twist. And it's the same twist every single time. <laughs> about how you have to do a lip sync to a Rue song. It's like, at this point, aren't they just anticipating it? Because you literally yeah. do it. Every it'd be a time. twist if they said, and here's the twist. You don't have to do a lip sync. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's start with the looks. Uh, Jessica Wilde comes down with her makeover. Kitty Wilde. Um, I thought it looked really great. I thought the makeup was good. I thought... That, I, the outfit was good. The makeup was good. The embodiment of the character was suspect. Yeah. it's uh, Her makeover struggled a lot with her walk. Yeah. Like in... You know, which I get, it's hard. Like, you yeah. know, like, I I probably couldn't wear heels and, you know, function. So, yeah. like... I mean, that's fair. Um, but it was a lot of, like... And also, but, like, either because of that or she just lost it in, in her mind. But Because it was a lot of, like, forward shoulders. Like, just a lot of, like, sort of, like, stiffness, yeah. like, up here to where, like, that's... It landed... It kind of threw off the fantasy in well, that regard. But that's also, like... That's more of the masculine walk, right? You lead right. with the shoulders as opposed to a more feminine walk would be to lead with the hips. And that is something that, you know, we like it depends on who you're idolizing, right? Like when you're growing up, are you idolizing feminine people or masculine people? Because the people that you idolize, you're going to mimic their walk. Yeah. Um. So that's why a lot of queer men grow up with that swagger mm-hmm. you know that that hip rotation that straight men just can't do because they haven't been watching and modeling themselves after you know people like RuPaul and like Grace Jones and like these icons of femininity right you know um and the same thing i'm sure is true for queer women and for, you know, trans men who grow up and look at masculinity, men, you know, like a John or John Wayne or, you know, yeah. like that sort of. What is straight people like? What is straight people like? What What is, you know, what is mask? <laughs> um, <laughs> like they, you know, they have that shoulder, um, leading thing. Yeah. And so it, it's very different. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jimbo and Sissy Delicious uh, are next. Uh, not, I mean, didn't she? Oh, because Jimbo did do a makeover on her season of Canada. I think, and I think she was. They were Jimbo and Bimbo, if I remember correctly. I think so. Because to me, I'm like, that's the obvious right. name. Well, but also. Bimbo is kind of one of those words that needs to be reclaimed, and I'm not sure if people oh, are, yeah, are yeah, yeah. quite ready for that one. I know that Himbo is based on I was going to say a drag king in the Jimbo family. Named Himbo would work great. Yeah, I love that. Um, they did well. I thought, um, like you mentioned, they had to sort of like, you know, Jimbo basically had to reconstruct this outfit into two different outfits to sort of make everything work and stuff like that. Um, I thought a decent enough job. It didn't stand out particularly, but you no. Know. And then, uh, so, and then finally candy muse with cookie muse, really, really good job for the most part. I do agree with like, I think it was Michelle was like the fit on cookies dress was a little off, but it's like, 
<laughs> but that's it's like yeah they're bringing these outfits from home they don't yeah. know their their models like well and that's one thing that always irritates me when they're like Wow, you really put them in like a, a baby doll dress? Yes, motherfucker, because I don't know their measurements before I get here. God yeah. damn it. Like, what am I supposed to do? It's like, uh, yeah. Um, but, and, and also, if you're the key, if you are ever bringing outfits for a makeover challenge for Drag Race, make sure to bring, like, make sure to always switch the colors. Yeah. Make it, if it, make it uh, a two tone thing that you switch the colors on because they love that for some reason. Unless they don't. Unless they because don't. Because literally, I think in season 15 on the Makeover Challenge, they read somebody for doing that. I think you're right, actually. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, what do you people want? Uh, I don't get it. It's like, great, you switch colors. Like, that's artistic. That seems mean. I thought Candy did a good job. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Candy did great. And um, Cookie really, like, I felt like had the farthest to come right and, and really struggle and really did embody that character. Well, yeah, like she was able to make that transition into cookie. Um, and I believed it and she felt like she was living the fantasy, which I know she was really struggling with at the beginning. Cause she was the, the one that was worried about, you know, presenting feminine after presenting mask for so long. And it, I, I think she did a very good job, and I would wager that she probably had like a, a breakthrough yeah. with that. Like there was, and that's the whole point of the makeover challenge, right? To to foster that personal breakthrough and um, uh, you know, murder that uh, um, inner saboteur. Oh God. Everyone's got one. <laughs> but so Candy Muse ends up, well, they do the lip sync. It was fine. Nothing. Oh, and it was yeah. to like a, Rue's like to my hit mashup song. I don't even remember it, but it was like work peanut butter uh, cover girl. It was like, like, they didn't even try with the title. It was yeah. just like. like the, and we'll put these titles in a blender. And this is what came out. Yeah, exactly. Um, Candy ends up winning. Uh, I think rightfully so. This yeah. is when production was pissing me off. I'm sorry. So, and we, before they even came out, when they were still in the workroom and stuff like that, I think I turned to you and I was like, wait a minute. I just realized. So if someone wins and then the other two are in the bottom and mm -hmm. it's just those three people. Yep. Then what happened? Like what? Like they're just going to vote for each other. Mm hmm. And then so the winner wins. Are you not going to do a lip? Like just not do a lip sync. And then like, yeah. The winner decides who goes home? Like, well, no. So <laughs> this is this has always been the rules of drag race or all-stars. The these all-stars rules have always been in effect. Right. Um that if there is a tie on the vote, the power reverts to the, the challenge winner. Right. I mean, that has always been the case. Right. It's, and it's happened before. On All-Stars 6. Yes. yes. But this is the only time that it's been a predetermined, there's no other way this can go unless someone falls on the sword. Part because we've never had a top three that then eliminates to a top two. Right. So I was figuring they're just going to be like, so Candy, no matter what happens, you choose the winner. But instead, they're like, so Jimbo and Jessica, you're in the bottom. And then Rue's like, Base, so, uh, you will go and vote on the on the on the chance. What it was either like on the in on the possibility that there is a tie vote, and I'm like on the possibility. 
I mean, technically, it is still just a possibility. I guess someone but it's can like, vote for themselves, and if they vote, both vote for themselves, then it's still a tie. Right, but like that. But also, I always hated when they would be, have like. I don't. I don't think the bottom three, unless it's a bottom three and not a bottom two, right? Because with a bottom three, you can pick one of the other two, right? To me, if it's, I think they should have always done this way. If it's a bottom two, the bottom two don't vote. Because what's the point? It makes it more complicated to do it that way, but, to be honest. Because then you're like, well, if it's a bottom two, then you don't get a vote. But if it's a bottom three, then you get a vote. And it's like, why? Why are we making well, extra also, well, rules? Well, maybe make the rules consistent. Well, the rules have been consistent. Well, in terms of always doing a bottom two or uh, always, well, that's do, you fair. know what I mean? Yeah. Like they just kind of do what they want, and I feel like this was like also it made it feel like we didn't know what the fuck we were doing during filming, and we were like, let's just do a, a final two. Who cares? Like let's you know like and but they then they didn't think. Oh wait, this doesn't make any sense with the voting. Like, I just feel, again, it was like there was all this fluff then that happened. Yeah. So it's like it's like we spent three minutes watching Jimbo and Jessica go into the voting booth. And then it's like, okay, so, like, j- clearly the producer in the, in the booth with them being like, okay, Jessica, now you have to touch Jimbo's lip sync, lipstick, and now you have to touch your own lipstick as if you're going to vote for yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's possible. I know, but it was just, it, it made it feel so, like, producery and like just sort of like this hit your marks now like pull up your lipstick and now pull like to me to me i read that as and and maybe this wasn't their intention but i kind of feel like it was to me it read as campy it read as we know that there's no possible like we're doing this because we do it every episode it and was, it would be weird if it wasn't here. I, I see what you're saying in the sense that, like, the comment Rue makes at the end. But, like, it wasn't a good enough payoff. Like, I'm, it, and, and it just made me annoyed. And that's fair. And that is why um, so many people failed at the campy um, um, Met Gala yes. um, looks. No one because knew. they went halfway there and didn't go all the way. I mean, that's what they did this episode. They should have really hammed it up when they were doing this. I mean, they they should have literally told them, like, act like you're really struggling between, I just don't know whether I should send this rancid bitch home holding their own lipstick. Yeah. Or, you know, like that. They should have really leaned into it. And it, they didn't. They didn't go full camp. But I see what they were trying to do. Right. I can at least acknowledge that. So uh, they go out for the lip sync. And the lip sync assassin is Priyanka, which I'm very excited about. I also feel like they did this on purpose because we get the announcement later this week that she is going to be taking over as one of the new hosts of We're Here. Is that inten- like, do we, is that a collaboration with like World of Wonder? I, I don't think so, but... It makes sense. It makes sense that the timing would be because Priyanka's not been in the zeitgeist recently. And so getting her name back out there a little bit early. It timed it really nicely. It it, it was very nicely timed. Um, For those of you who have not heard, um, Eureka and Bob the Drag Queen and Shangela are no longer going to be hosting We're Here, which is the drag version of Queer Eye, basically. Right. Um, 
And instead, we are going to have Priyanka, Jada Essence Hall, and... Sasha Velour. Sasha Velour. Which I thought was an interesting combination. That's an interesting combo. Because I felt like Bob... Bob Shangela and Eureka worked really well in those roles. Yeah. Because they were Southern. Like, like I think, like, because they would go into these, like, more conservative, right. like, sort of areas. And these were, like, well, not, I guess not Bob's not Southern, but, like, but, like, was raised in sort of, like, these sort right. of environments. And, like, I, I guess Jada technically was. I'm, sh- I'm sure maybe Priyanka was to a certain extent. I mean, the- Priyanka was raised in Canada. Um, but, I mean, we she has had a a pretty conservative upbringing i believe she had said but sasha's like not sasha is like you could tell i mean like you know you're you were born in an art family like yeah like clearly like i i i don't know i think it's interesting but i mean she's also very political and very sort of well spoken in terms of that regard so maybe that's sort of the spin on it um, I mean, I would think that someone like Monet would have been a good option too. Yeah, because she has a very conservative upbringing, like, and she like struggled with coming out to her family, and there was like this whole dynamic there. So, like, I I would think that something like that story for for a queen, and like, and you're right, Eureka had a similar sort of situation, like being raised in what Tennessee. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So, I mean, and also with her trans journey, I feel like that mm-hmm. it it would be important to have a trans. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, good for them though. <laughs> get, get your coin. Um, but so and then they lip sync to, and I was like, the, oh my god, this has never been a song on Drag Race before. They lip sync to "Jumpin' Jumpin'" by Destiny's Child, and I was like. <laughs> I, I was mean, like, they don't typically have money for things like they've recently Destiny's done more. Child they've and, recently done more Beyonce. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, it, I feel like maybe they're working up to after Beyonce's done with all these tours. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'll come in for a guest spot because you know they've been doing that episode one like you get a pop star well and also she was very much like i'm gonna embrace the queers this tour and like yeah. the, like so i was like well i mean and this whole album was very like ballroom nod mm-hmm. and very queer culture embracing uh even though nobody can afford to get in and her for concerts but you know <laughs> that's that's another here or there but no, but so okay, so they lip sync to jump and jump, and I was like, I was very pumped for this song, so I I was sad, and like I thought they did both did a really good job. They kind of did the the backing tracks a little more, which I I I like at certain points. I was wondering if it was a little more about the rap was a little fast in certain yeah. parts. Like Candy, I think didn't hit all the lyrics that she wanted to. Well, and sometimes it feels like the track on the lip syncs gets sped up just a skosh. Mm. It it feels like it doesn't quite hit the pocket that I'm used to in these songs. Yeah. And it's like, why is this not grooving like I'm used to? I wonder if it's like... A part of it's because, you know, they splice things. Yeah, because I've had those moments just generally, not just with Drag Race, where I'm just like, I don't remember that song being that fast. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it... I, I I wonder what it is at the end of the day. Um, but Priyanka ends up winning. Really great uh, effort by her. Um, and then, so then they announced that, so the $10,000 is now going to be added to the fame game prize. So it's now 60000 I wish they would have just done this the whole season. I don't. Because, I mean, because I'm I'm looking at it now and it's like, 
I've looked at like um, I think the the wiki page. There's like a fandom.com has like a drag race wiki, uh-huh. and they like keep track of like how much money each person or each contestant has won throughout. Right. Um, and I think Jessica, at least at this point, has walked away with th- uh, thirty seven thousand dollars. You know, at third place. Without even winning Fame Games, she's already, you know, and if she wins Fame Games, then she's almost at the old season or at the old normal season prize. prize. Well, that's what I, the reason I say that they should have done it that way is that because they have upped the prize to 200000 If they kept the main prize at 100000 then I agree. Then I think it can't, you can't have a situation where the Fame Game winner, like, wins more than, like. <laughs> well, part of the reason with All-Stars that they have done the tip the cash tip thing is because the queen spends so much goddamn money to come on the show. Right. And especially them coming back on the show, there's an expectation that everything is expensive. And so, yeah, some of these queens spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on garments Mm. and they should be getting some of that money, even if they don't win anything. Yeah. You know, and so I, I understand why they're like a weekly tip out is necessary. Yeah. Um. So then they reveal. Well, Priyanka reveals that she has two lipsticks, and it's Jimbo and Jessica. And Rue is like, "What?" Again, if they just would have emphasized it, it more, maybe it should. Yeah, it should have been emphasized more. Like if they had done like the cartoonish, like zoom in zoom out thing you know like that whole thing and because candy also because they were like when marie was like it goes back to the top all-star of the week candy looked conflicted and and she's like damn i think she even said her confessional like damn it i'm like you knew that you would have to decide like i don't like what are you talking about candy (laughs) like yeah you mm, candy come on yeah um, and then it's like, oh God, what's Candy gonna do? Like, the, like big build up from like I think whole season. I should have felt more because it's like they've been pushing this narrative the whole season of like, what it would Candy do when Jimbo is on the chopping block? Well, you know, sort of like, etc. But, but the, also, she made a huge mistake, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I if saw she, all the tweets if about she like, had any hope of winning the season. She needed to send Jimbo's ass home. She was like two hundred thousand dollars or endless death threats. Um. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating, but like you the know. ability to get booked again or two hundred thousand dollars now. Yeah, <laughs> and um, who knows if you'll ever get it because Evie oddly still has not gotten her payout. I heard about that. That's anyway. I mm, want that's I, makes me think why she didn't win that. Um, whatever it was that she done already done had hers is award from oh year. yeah 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 i wonder now um but jessica ends up being eliminated very sad because i did love jessica and i think that, again i would have loved to have seen jessica in the finals yeah i would have loved for him to just do a final three here like uh, honestly yeah um but we <laughs> i did love when when jessica was leaving the the workroom after she packed everything up she like stopped and looked around and went she's like is there a video is there a video <laughs> from Rue saying that she made a mistake? And I'm st- <laughs> nope. No, okay. Um, no, but Jessica's great. And I gl- I'm glad she got her comeback because, like, you know, she's somebody who I think was, like, underrated. Like, a lot of people wanted on the show for a long right. time. Um, 
and she did a great job overall. So Jimbo and Candy are final two. Um, we don't get like a big like if you're Team Jimbo or Team Candy package. I'm guessing we're getting it next week. Yeah, I guess so. Um, when we do this Fame Games recap episode, yeah, plus whatever this um, variety show is. So, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, that was All Stars 8 for this week. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we are talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay to Zimby. Let's head on down to the ATL where there is an OG peach conspicuously missing <laughs> on Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta for this week. I uh, I was really excited for this episode going in based off of the dinner and based off of that scene. It wasn't... Uh, it was a letdown. <laughs> it was a bit of a letdown. There's a lot of uh, dire talk online about sort of like where Atlanta stands in the, uh, and like basically like, how do we fix Atlanta? Which get rid of Eric. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Cause that's the thing. It's like, everyone's like, okay, well maybe bring Kim back. Maybe bring Portia back. Maybe get rid of this person. Right. I don't think it's the cast. I don't think it's the cast. We're having the same problems on Atlanta that we were having on Potomac and it's the same production company. Yeah. This is a problem. It's really like, it's, Overproduced, first off. Mm -hmm. I think there's too much emphasis on, like, sort of, like, like funny, like, little, like, editing tricks and stuff like that. Like, oh, graphics and, like, blah, blah, blah. Instead of letting moments actually kind of breathe and sort of, right. like, be funny on their own. Um, I think we'll get to it later. 
I think they are editing out shit that they should stop fucking editing out. Mm-hmm. And like they're taking editing out the shit that we really fucking want at the end of the day. And then like oh and then like some biased editing here and there. And it's like I just I, I think that's I think it's a bigger issue. And a lot of people th- discuss have discussed like that like oh season nine was like the last good season of Atlanta and that's when they switched over production companies like uh-huh. le- that's when they went to truly original so like I feel like that has a major major thing to do with it oh yeah completely um we start off with Sheree as she's doing acupuncture um to sort of help with her fibroids because she's doing this sort of holistic methods and stuff like that we she had talked before about not wanting to do surgery and stuff like that um, she just keeps freaking out the whole time. Like she cannot stand still at all for this acupuncture. It's like, why are you going to my legs? It's like, that's why we had you take your pants off. And she's like, Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and the best part was when she's like, uh, the acupuncturist is like, okay, so we, we do this one by the ear. And she's like, what's the, what's the ear going to do? <laughs> and she goes, that's going to help you relax. Which she desperately needed at this point. Yeah, it was funny. Um, but basically like, you know, she was working with um, a holistic guide. <laughs> this is so housewives. I was just like, and he suggested also like maybe going on a trip and doing like healing activities. I'm like, okay, so this is just the method to get to the girls' trip. Yeah, got it. Like, I'll, I'll, can we can we jump ahead for a moment? Sure. I just find it hilarious that Sheree is sitting here, you know, like jumping and flinching at all of these like hair size needles mm-hmm. and like i don't want to have this fibroid surgery which is valid completely valid but then halfway through the episode we get a jump scare of her coming out and unveiling an entirely new face oh god that new face like with, like why are you starring in the remake of the face off like <laughs> what are what are we doing like uh, why why did you just swap faces with drew sedora what is going on? And it, yeah, especially it's like her arch enemy, Drew Sedora. She's just like, that's really going to help Drew's confidence. In well, terms it, of like, it's really going to help her confidence. Why do you want to look in the mirror and see the person you hate? Like, yeah. what, are you, what are we doing? And it was also clearly a note. Like, I, I, I don't know exactly the breakdown. There was definitely a nose job. Because Sheree has a very distinct nose. Yes. And, like, I was kind of sad by that. Because I'm like, that's like, I don't yeah. know. And she looks really swollen and, like, overly dewy you know like it's it's one thing when you look you know fresh and dewy and that sort of thing yeah but bitch looked like she slathered her face in vaseline before she got on camera like she was moist yeah and it was not good later it looked in the, like um, she was drenched in sweat and this was after getting stung by a thousand bees later in the after when they did the after show stuff like that it was like she kind of looks like kiki palmer in like 15 years but like <laughs> that, that's, that's not a generous. read is that a read <laughs> that's generous um but like i just it's just not i don't know i don't i don't like i'm i'm all for work do work do whatever you gotta do but it's just like i i hate like new faces like well i'm fine with new face like but like why are you modeling your face after somebody that you don't like that's <laughs> on the same show that you're on that's that yeah like Talk about confusing the brand. Oh. Like, w- like, <laughs> like, what? What is this? What? Like, she by Sheree, or is this that fitness thing that Drew was doing a couple seasons ago that never got off the ground? Right. 
What what was that called? Drop it with Drop Drew. It with Drew. Drop it with Sheree. Is that what this is called? <laughs> oh Lord. She by Drew. What what are we doing? Work on the first venture, and then maybe you can do a second. Um, <laughs> we see a quick. Wow. Yeah, we see a quick thing about Marlo with Ty uh, in our house talking about the date with Scottly. Um, and basically like, you know, I'm still saying she's still afraid that, you know, you know, you let a person in and then know what your weaknesses are and, and, you know, use that to hurt you. It's like, okay. I, I, uh, Marlo didn't piss me off actively this episode, but they, like, well, the thing that irritated me was the clearly planted thing of, you know, I don't know if I want my husband. <gasps> did you say your husband? Yeah, oh my God, I did. That, I said my husband. That's uh, later in the season because it's in the big uh, trailer. And I was like, oh God. I, I part, I'm partly, because it seems like we're going to get Marlo and Scott Lee this, the rest of the season. And it's like, uh, no, no, I don't want him on the, I'm not interested. No. I, I've, to be fair, okay. It has nothing to do with him. It has to do with the fact that he's connected to her. Basically. Like, I'm not interested. Like, if he was dating somebody else, I'd probably entertain it. But I don't give a shit about Marlo. To like, be we're going to give her the honest. most, like, delightful edit, like, sort of uh, towards the tail end of this um, this franchise. And then, like, everyone's just going to, like, just drill her at the reunion. Because, like, I, that's... I guess. Oh, my God. She's a Sour Patch Kid. Yeah. You know, like in the commercials for Sour Patch Kids where they're like demons in the first bit and then they're like so sweet afterwards. That's what this is. She's had her demon part and now she's like, oh, but I'm reformed. Mm-hmm. I'm the new Marlo now. Uh, not here for it. Sanya uh, is getting ready for her Mommy Nation charity event that she's doing, um, looking to raise $50,000 for homeless mothers. Um, they partnered basically with a woman um, who has founded the only school in Atlanta that provides private education for homeless kids. So good cause, you know, I love a charitable moment on a housewives. Um, but then, so she's, she's getting together with her business partners and, and stuff like that to sort of organize. But we found out that she found out that day that the auctioneer that they the, for the auction uh, basically had COVID. So can't do it. And then, her business partner is like business partners basically like, so we, I mean, we could just use a big personality and then suggest Kenya and Sheree's and Sonya is like my friend, Kenya, like the one I'm just been friends with for two days now or whatever is from the mm-hmm. Gucci lunch. And it's like, <laughs> I, I agree with everyone online, which is like Sonya should be kissing Kenya's feet by the end of this episode because, but also like, yeah, I don't know. Um, she's like, but they had, um, well, her- before she starts kissing her feet, she needs to learn how to call her agent. Yeah. <laughs> Can you mention that later? Um, her business partner's like, but at the end of the day, what do we have to lose? And Tanya's like my dignity. <laughs> it's like, okay. But again, like not to make, not to harp on Sonya. Like this is what Kenya is literally talking about in terms of like, like, if this was Marlo, you wouldn't question it for a second of her being the auctioneer. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like for suddenly because it's Kenya, like you, I don't know. It's yeah. Um, we go to Kenya doing her Kenya Moore hair care commercial shoot, which is sort of her make good from the uh, Magic City Classic performance right. being canceled. So getting to sort of 
take Moniera's choreography that she made for that and sort of use it in this platform, which I think is smart. Yeah. Um, she brings in Brooklyn in like a matching outfit, which I thought was really cute. It was cute. so cute. Yeah. I love, I, I've said it before. Like I love any scene with Brooklyn and Kenya. Like it's just really great. Also, I'm, I'm really glad that Mark has loosened the reins on what we're able to see of Brooklyn. For now. For now. Uh, I mean, because that story that just came out. Oh geez, what story? I thought I told you about the that radar online or whatever was reporting that like Mark is like trying to hold Kenya in contempt because of uh, that. Because oh, of that. that's right. Because of Marlo attacking, you know, the door at. Uh, oh my god. Which I I I need Kenya to if that if everything is being reported is true I need Kenya to rip Marlo's fucking head off at the reunion. Oh yeah, and well, and you know that fucking Candy will get involved in that. Too oh because yeah. You don't fuck with somebody's kids. No. And Candy will fucking take offense to that, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, Mark's an asshole, and he's doing it to... I mean, he's he can be an asshole on his own, but, like, this is, this is could, the problem, Marlo. I could hear it now. Sonya going, well, I understand he would feel like she's in a dangerous situation, and that means that he... Fuck you, Sonya. Yeah. I could, I, I have, pre- a, have a backbone. I'm preemptively giving you a fuck you, because I can already hear it. Yeah. I can already hear your bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Moneta is texting with Roy, um, uh, who's coming in to bring food, basically, for uh, Kenya. Um and, you know, so it's a nice little moment of, like, them getting, finally getting to see the two of them on camera at the mm-hmm. same time. The, the editor, again, I've back to the editing, I've said it before that I think they give Kenya a really bad edit a lot of the time. Yep. Not to say that Kenya does, hasn't, doesn't do, do things that deserve it, but, like, I do think that they are very anti-Kenya in the edit for the most part. Oh, uh, yeah. In recent seasons, especially. they uh, It was a little thing, but it just pissed me off. On the lower third, it says Kenya's friend in quotation marks. And it's like, Kenya's acknowledged that they're dating, guys. Like, it's she. And we see why it's she's referring to him as a friend. She's referring to him as a friend around Brooklyn. But she has she has also said that they are not exclusive. He's not her boyfriend. Sure. But like, so like, what else would you label him? I guess, but the quotation marks was like, it was ad, it was making it seem like. To me, the quotation marks are, he's not just a friend. We all acknowledge that he's not just a friend, but we're not going to put boyfriend because that's not what they are using. Maybe. maybe. I mean, maybe I'm giving too much credit to this shitty ass production team, <laughs> but like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I can see your point. Um, Sonya FaceTimes Kenya, though, to ask her about the auctioneer uh, role, basically. And Kenya's like, of course, of course I can do it. But then Kenya does say in her confessional, I feel like Sanya's a good person. However, this is the second event that Sanya's booked me for without going through my agents. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. She's got one more strike. Yeah, exactly. Um, we then go to Drew at her home with Pastor Jeanette and her sister Allison. Um, Drew is basically saying how, you know, she wants to do stuff that she really enjoys now, like her music, you know, now having kids and stuff like that. Um, and we get more of sort of Allison's background. You know, she Allison's like, you know, the big thing is just like sort of like, you know, take self-care, take breaks. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Drew explains also like she had... I didn't realize the extent of sort of Allison's work in the industry of like, she worked on Martin and rock and ran Wesley Snipes company at one point. And I was like, you could have left that one off. Uh, Wesley Snipes is maybe not the one you want to be connected to when business dealings are concerned. Sure. That's fair. And that she worked for Johnny Carson productions. Um, 
And Drew basically says that she has a greater appreciation for Allison now that she's managing herself now and seeing mm-hmm. all the work that she put in and stuff like that. Um, so, and, and so Drew also refers to Allison as a, her momager slash sister. You said something to me while we were watching okay. this scene that blew my fucking mind. So <laughs> and let, this is not my theory. This is something that I saw on Twitter, but I, I think it has some, um, I think it has legs. Okay. Um, so it is very common. Well, first of all, the age difference between Drew and Allison is quote unquote 20 years. It's actually a little bit less than that. I think it's like 16 or 17 or 18. Um, the age difference between um, Allison and Drew and Allison's mom is 30 something years. Mm. So you're telling me that the pastor of the the pastor's, pastor's wife of a church had a child like 50 years ago or well not 50 years ago like how how old uh, 35 years ago yeah, yeah, yeah. roughly At fifty years old, yeah. When you when you explain the math, it's it's especially knowing the fact that at that age it is incredibly dangerous. Today in twenty twenty three, at that age, it is incredibly dangerous to have a child. Right. It is also. A multitude more dangerous for a black woman to give birth, especially at that age, but at any age. Like, right, we know right. that the medical community is extremely biased towards black women. Um, and there's, there's a reason that black women have a much higher rate of death during childbirth and it's racism. It has nothing to do with black people being more susceptible to anything other than them being more susceptible to racism. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for that to happen 35 years ago. Yeah. The math ain't mathing. That is Allison's child. Yeah. You were thinking, and, and, and again, it makes sense. I don't know if Drew knows this, I think it, it it's I don't and of course it's clearly this is alleged right we have no proof we don't have any like we didn't get uh, a DM from somebody <laughs> like we're we're not like you know making headline breaking news here it, this is a theory right a theory that we think have has legs but it's not anything more than that so but I mean, the math just ain't math in the other way, but it makes a lot of sense for 35 years ago when you're maybe slightly underage or at the very least unwed child of a pastor 
you know, maybe just goes away for a few months. Right. Along with the mother, goes away out of the public eye. Then they come back with a sister. Yeah. A young child that no one knew was happening. You know, nobody knew anything about it. It just, oh, look, there's a new child in the family. And of course, it's the pastor's wife. Yeah. And they could easily use the excuse of this is a dangerous pregnancy. So we're going to be on bed rest the whole time. So you won't be seeing me, you know, throughout the pregnancy. And then I'll come, come back having never had a belly. Yeah. Anyway. Just something to think about. <laughs> Just something to, to, to stew and machinate on. Because, you know. And yeah. that sort of story is very, very common. It is. That, that is true. Um, Allison basically talks about a little bit more about sort of her um, time in like a psychiatric hospital. And we found out that basically like she was a victim of domestic violence at 22. And because of that, it led to a lot of sort of anxiety and PTSD. And that kind of like reemerged like sort of her, you know, mm-hmm. her rediscovering that sort of in many ways. Um and, you know, she kind of gets emotional and she's thankful for them for letting her, you know, stay with her, uh, let her stay with them in terms of, the like, her transition after this, you know, time away and stuff like that. And that, you know, you know, Allison also talks about, like, you know, I never really got a chance to just be sisters with you, which, again, mm-hmm. may lend to your theory. Um, and Drew's like, you know, you know, I never knew a lot and understood a lot of what Allison was dealing with because we were 20 years apart. So, like, there wasn't that sort of, like that kind of relationship necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and they hug and it's, it's a sweet little moment. Um, really good stuff. Let's go to this dinner now. Okay. Let's. Ugh. Oh, fuck. Okay. So they, and I was so excited. I'm so sad. So they go to, Sheree goes to dinner with Lisa Wu, Deshaun and Kim Zolciak. And there's an awkward fifth place, uh, place setting that no one ever sits at, which I thought was sweet to a certain extent. If that was chosen by Sheree or like by, you know, we're acknowledging that, you know, Mimi is, is no longer here. able to be here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lisa, not because she's dead or anything, just because she hates Bravo. Yeah. Lisa starts with Kim and goes, <laughs> and when Kim comes, goes, I don't know if I need to hug you or chop you in the throat. I miss Lisa. <laughs> Lisa was great. I love, I love, Lisa. I always loved Lisa. Um, they say something. Oh, Kim makes a count because they're like, they're basically complimenting Kim on how good she looks and stuff like that. Kim goes, "Well, I'll say about my mom. The only good thing about that bitch is her jeans." I was like, "What?" Like, I, I, I haven't watched like old seasons of Atlanta. Did she have a bad relationship with her mother? Like, why are you like? Also, you don't look anything like you looked in season one because you have a face full of fillers and plastic. At least so. they, I will say this: they've settled. The fillers have settled much more than the last time we've seen her. That's fair. But what I will say is that the veneers are like. Veneering? They're, they're veneering. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, okay. also, Sheree makes a comment of like, you know, Kim, your tits look smaller. And she's like, yeah, because I can barely breathe or whatever. And I'm like, it's because you got like. Just, just say you got a reduction. That's fine. Kim never like. That's the thing. Kim never answers a question directly and like, like, dodges shit in ways that's just kind of like really annoying to me. Going into like, with the whole like stuff that came out recently about her and Croy's divorce that has now been apparently 
unhappened and has been called off. I I don't remember if I said it on the podcast or if I said it offline, but like I was like maybe it is maybe it would be a good idea to bring Kim back full time just to like ha- like at least to get the drama of the divorce and stuff mm-hmm. like that and whatever. And then no. I wa- and then I watched this dinner. I'm like, no, that's a mistake because Kim. This is the same Kim from season ten who was so fucking obnoxious mm-hmm. and like just like. Not really redeemable in any way. I'd rather have Lisa Wu back. Yeah. Yeah. I would. And Deshaun was just as boring here as she was in season one. But so I don't, I don't know, though. I don't know about that. Part of me was like there was so much focus on Kim at this dinner, and there was almost no focus on Lisa or Deshaun. I mean, that's fair. But, like, when I put this up next to the way Deshaun was in season one, I... I feel like maybe there just wasn't content. That's the thing. Like, With well, Lisa, maybe. Maybe they were focusing too much on. But because Lisa was entertaining in the first two seasons. I don't know why she left at the end of season two. I can't mm. remember. Um, but I feel like there was like extraneous circumstances. I, think, I don't think I she was I want to say fired. it has to do with her divorce. Oh, okay. That could be it. But yeah. Um, so they also just going on a vacation together and Trey's like, guys, Kim always would back out of the girls trips. Like that's not happening. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you she's not going to this Portugal trip. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, Trey then brings up the Portugal trip and then we see the flashback of her telling Kenya during her, her video shoot and Kenya being like, you know, I'm so excited. I've never been to Spain. <laughs> it's like, oh God. Uh, at least it's close. At least they're right next to each other. Yeah. Um, Sheree is, uh, like at one point Sheree's like sort of describing things and like with her, you know, fibroids and her holistic approach and why she's doing the Portugal trip. And Kim is just like distracted by Lisa's purse and not even focusing on what like Sheree's saying. And I'm like, this is why no one likes you. Like this is, yeah. like this is, uh, I couldn't, it's fine for this, but I, I couldn't do a season of it. I, no. I really could not. Um, Sheree's like I w- is hoping that the Portugal trip will bring her the group of her current friends and that like that and all that back together basically. Was was I mistaken in believing that they were inviting the OG girls on this Portugal trip? I maybe I hope so. I hope that that's the case at least in Lisa and Deshaun's case. But cuz I could guarantee you that Kim never went on a fucking cash trip. She always found a way out of it. And you pointed out the only one that she ever went to was that trip to Miami when she was doing Pride. Oh, yeah, or no, yeah, yeah. not Pride. It was White Party. Yeah, White Party. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and uh, Nini almost threw her in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I wish she would have. <laughs> Pop your eyebrows out. Boop, boop. <laughs> it's my favorite line. Um. Sheree's uh, going over the guests, the people who are going on the Portugal trip, and she's like, you know, Marlo's going, um, you know, Candy's going, Kenya, and then Kim goes, Kenya, really? That bitch is still alive. Kim is so bitter. I just, I don't get it. And like, and she's like, look, all I'm saying is like, you just don't bring kids into things. You don't bring kids into things. Uh, yeah, we're really rehashing that fight where you you yourself tweeted who does whose dick does Brielle have to suck for Don, John Legend tickets and Kenya brought that up in a fight that you were instigating and then you get mad at her. Okay, that's yeah. Um, Kim then brings up, this was almost more. I mean, this was the only good part of this dinner was that Kim brings up like oh you know I met Croy at Charay's event you know all those years back. <laughs> And this really like romantic of like he was like even if I didn't you know straight to introduce me to you I would have spotted you from a mile away and it's like all romantic whatever 
And she's like, we're still married. 11 years. We're doing great. <laughs> Three seconds later. Yeah. The g- cut to the fucking um, police body cam footage. Have you seen that Oof, come out recently? I've, I saw that it came out. I have not watched it. Yeah. It's... Uh, um, Lisa then Lisa doing her job brings up the reports that Kim and Croy were losing their house. <laughs> and uh, Kim goes, it's the blog. It's a blog on Instagram. It's not TMZ. It's not people magazine. What? Um, One, I'm pretty sure it wasn't TMZ <laughs> Two, all your other shits in TMZ. So you're telling on yourself in that regard. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And then she goes, do you think I'm going to foreclose on my fucking multi-million dollar house for twenty thousand, two hundred thousand dollars? And Sherry's like, that doesn't even make any sense. I'm like, what do you mean by that, Kim? Like, do you think I'm going to, like, I'm going to foreclose on my house? I don't think you get the choice for foreclosure. Yeah, it's not really a choice that you make. It's more. That's that's up to the bank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sheree tells them about Mecca and being a glamma and all that stuff. And she's obviously happy about that. There's a little talk also about. Deshaun and Lisa like talking about their divorces post show, but it was like 30 seconds. It was like real quick and like, not like, yeah, I wanted more of that. Um, Kim asked Deshaun if she's dating and Kim goes, is it fun out there? And Troy's like, excuse me. Like, why do you need to know? Mm-hmm. Um, they then ask about Martel and how <laughs> Sheree literally says, He's a good guy. He gets a really bad rep, but he's a really good guy. How many times has Sheree said that in her life? Every time men? she has dated somebody. Like, girl, if you're not, you're, I, I mean, I'm not saying you need about a thousand, but like, like you need to get that average up a little bit. Like, Jesus. Like, the bar is so low. Yeah. Kim also mentions that she gave Can- uh, that Candy gave her a hug at Portia's wedding. Um, and they kind of, when they ran into each other, and Sheree's like, "So you and Candy squashed everything?" And Kim goes, "No, bitch. Just because I hugged her doesn't mean I squashed it." And they're like, "What was the beef even even about?" And Kim was like, "I just sang a fucking song that went really big, and I enjoyed it. That's it. Yeah, that's it." <laughs> and you didn't pay a bitch. Yeah, for literally giving you the only passable song that was possible for you. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great friend you are. Um, yeah. So that was the dinner. We go to Sonya getting set up for her event. Um, this <sighs> is this whole thing with her sister. We, what did you think of it? I, I couldn't really get your sense. I, hmm, part of me is like, why are you bringing this up on camera? Like, shut, like, why I think she this? was pissed. I think she was just like pissed and sort of like being real. I get, I've gotten that way where I get kind of not passive aggressive, but just kind of like, I can't shut up because I'm so angry. Yeah. And like, that's more my sense. And I haven't really liked Shari this season. Like we've talked about how she's been kind of a dick in terms of like Mm -hmm. the whole house dynamic and stuff like that. But I kind of agree with her here. Like she was like, I didn't know that we need, there needed basically to be filming or whatever. Like that, you know, I thought it was just going to be like B roll or whatever. And like, like, how do you have a thing this size? Like what Sonia is doing and not have a central calendar that has all the details well, on it. But apparently, Sonya, did, according to her, Sonya didn't tell her when to show up, basically. Well, but that's what I mean. How do you not have a central calendar with a, this is when this person needs to show up. This is who needs to be here. This right. is what this is. This is all the details you could possibly need for this. Like, how do you not have... Like, I just don't understand people that have 
something that big going on and are not that organized. Yeah. Yeah. Sonya's basically like, you know, I Sonya is like kind of joking though as as this is happening, like, oh yeah, she's, you know, had a bad day or whatever. And Sonya's basically like, you know, I let my family know that the lead up to this would be stressful. And Shari goes, Sometimes I think you forget how many roles I'm playing. Because you kind of toy with my life a bit and I don't operate like that. Just give me some grace if you're feeling like I have an attitude because I'm disgruntled. And like, yeah, like, she's basically like, I'm ju- I'm literally I have to get my kids in order, your yeah. kid in order. I have to like, you know. Yeah, it's I get it. I like I get it. I, I get it to a certain extent. And Sonya kind of starts tearing up and basically like apologizes and says she understands. And Shari's like, I didn't think you I, I didn't make want to make you cry or whatever. Like, it's like it's not like I'm trying but, to like make you feel bad, but like. But like part of it also is like. I want to know, like, what the discussion was when you were hired into this role. Yeah, like. Were you aware that you were going to be doing this sort of thing from the get and now you're no longer okay with it? And that's fine if that's what it, what is happening because you have every right to say I am no longer okay with filling this role. Mm-hmm. But the argument that she is giving that I am getting from her is I didn't know that this was what I was going to be doing. And it also is very much giving the you're not appreciative of what I do, which is like, but aren't you getting a paycheck and a roof over your head? Yeah, I get like, that. So part of me is like, you're getting paid. What are the stipulations? What are what is what was discussed before you what's took this contract? job? What's the contract? What are the Carfax? Like, what's <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, I know. But it's I, like, if you were hired to do a job, why are you mad that you are now having to do the job? Yeah. Like, I can understand if you didn't know that you were going to have to do all of this, and now you're getting stuff tacked on. But if you knew all of this, you don't really have room to complain about that being part of your job. Right. I, I, again, we don't have enough details. Yeah. And basically, she's like, once I finish like, everything with your hair and stuff like that, I'm basically, I'm not going to stay for the event. So she, yeah. that's what she decides to do. Um, the guests start filing in. Um, Sonia is calling Kenya, wondering where she is because um, Kenya is running late. Um, because yeah, and we see like a short clip beforehand of like Kenya like needing her outfit tailored or something because um, mm-hmm. uh, it was too short, and then Kenya on her, on the FaceTime call says something about how that you know you know someone from your staff basically said that we I was be I was going to be separated from my plus one at the table and whatever and Sonya's like well you guys will be like essentially back to back or whatever or this table Don't and Kenya and Kenya's like no but that's like like moving like separating somebody at a wedding like that's not you know and Sonya's like well Kenya's like it's okay if you move me to another table but I want to be with my plus one essentially yeah um and Sonya says she's gonna work through it and honestly I agree with Kenya I I there's nothing I hate more than being a plus one to an event where I don't know anyone because she brings Aquila. I don't know anyone in the group and I don't know anyone in that circle and then I'm forced to sit at a table with people who I know when I know yeah like that's fucking awkward (laughs) like especially considering that kenya was already gonna have to get up and go do this auction yeah so she was already gonna be separated her from her for part of it so you're gonna make her also sit separate from her yeah that's awkward uh kenya in her confession goes honey better late than ugly um sheree asks marla uh, to a certain extent better late than ugly because she ends up being an hour and a half late which again 
To be fair, though, she's not late for the auction. No, she makes it in time for the auction. That is true. Um, Sheree asked Marlo about her date and how it went. Sheree made a real shady comment because Marlo at one point goes, you know, he's a chef. And Sheree goes, well, we know you love to eat. And I was like, Sheree. <laughs> like, yeah, that was, I'm, I'm not here for the fat phobia. Yeah. Um, Marlo says that her acid. And re- Marlo's not even like, I don't know. No. Whatever. But wasn't that, can- isn't that also, even from just the, the thing of like liking to eat or whatever, like, isn't that Candy's like storyline? Like, Candy always talks about how she loves food. Yeah. I mean, she's doing a KFC commercial right now. There you go. Um, Marlo says that her acid reflux was amazing on her date, because I guess she has really bad acid reflux. And then also cut to her still having acid reflux on the date, so she completely lied about it. (laughs) Of course. And, oh, and then uh, she's like, yeah, it just completely stopped or whatever. And Courtney's like, that's a great sign. And she did the Courtney face. I'm so sick of it. Which, if you've seen Kenya when she was on uh, Candy's Speak on It show, ever since Kenya did the Courtney face, like, I can't unsee it. Like, it's... It's just, it's so overly big yeah no one's face contorts like that sorry it's not it's not a thing um candy arrives and gets the the 69 paddle for the auction which is fitting um, <laughs> candy's talking about how she drove in in the morning basically from her concert in nashville and then has to has a show later tonight and she, but sonya's thankful she's there but then sonya confessional she's like you know it's been noted that candy has missed a few other events and like her missing Fuck off like they show her like being like I can't come to your the Kenya your thing or and I couldn't make Drew's music video shoot, and Sonya's like it's giving Candy's favorite basically I'm Candy's favorite and it's like why are we making this a thing like like Candy's busy like I she showed up because your event fit in her schedule she has absolute no, she you're not her favorite no, um Kenya does arrive though um. Uh, Sonya basically uh, goes up to MC the auction for or, or get, MC the event for a little bit, so mm-hmm. give the introduction, and then passes it off to another like sort of host or whatever, so she can sort of brief Kenya on everything. Um, uh, Sheree uh, asked Sonya at one point if her sister's here, and Sonya's like, "We'll talk about it later." Like it's you know it was a lot basically. Then they start giving out awards called the Mommies, I think is what she said, mm-hmm. like like the Emmys. Yeah. Um, so she, they said they start giving out awards, right? And Sonia makes a point of like, you know, so I have this award for this particularly incredible mom. She's like, she's like an OG mom who makes motherhood look so easy. They literally, I, this was so shady on the editor's part. Even I mean, it's shady in general, but like they cut to Sonia's mom who's like sitting there, right? Like, so it's like, and then she's like, she's also a glamour. It's like, oh, you're doing all this for Sheree? And your mother, your mother is right there? Also, Sheree, who has not had a child in the home in how long? I know, right? It's like, ugh, but she brings out Cairo. Cairo's a whole ass man. Yeah, like I don't, I don't get it. Mm. Cairo uh, comes out though uh, to bring out the award and sort of give it to Sheree, and Sheree's like real excited, and she's like, because Cairo normally isn't like a a um, a public speaker and stuff like that, so mm-hmm. it was like big for him. So yeah, that was it was nice. Um, Sonya, like I mentioned, brief Kenya, briefs Kenya on everything with the auction. Basically, says their goal. She's like, "What's the goal?" And she's like, "The goal is fifty k." And Kenya's like, fifty k. There's fifty at this table with the the cast table." <laughs> so, um, Kenya goes up to do the auction. Marlo says in her confession, "Cause okay, I love Kenya more. 
I love, love, love Kenya Moore. I'm a Kenya Moore stan. I'm a Kenya Moore apologist. Did not love this dress. Yeah. I, I also, maybe it was the leather gloves with it, I think was kind of a weird touch to me. Um, but it wasn't the greatest. But she Mar- looked a little bit like a loofah. A lo- very loofah-esque. Um, Marlo in her confessional, though, says, like, you know, you know when the house landed on the witch and the, and the Wizard of Oz and the ruby red slippers crumple up? That's what Kenya looks like. And I'm like, that's not what happened in the Wizard of Oz. At all. I've <laughs> seen that movie so many times. I wore out the tape. In fact, the slippers stay intact. Like, that's the They point. literally disappear off of the feet of the dead witch and appear on Dorothy's feet. And then the legs shrivel. Yeah. There's no shriveling of the red ruby slippers. Oh. Get your facts right. Marla. Uh, <laughs> Kenya is hyping up the crowd and then basically is like, you know what? We're going to ra- we're not raising 50,000. We're raising 100,000 because there's 50,000 at this table. And Sonia's like, oh, God. Like, you know. <laughs> and Drew's sitting there doing the math. She's like, how much is that? That's a 7,000. You got your 7,000? You, you got can, your Her and Candy are like, you got your seven? I got my seven. <laughs> um, so they start Candy start You know Candy gives her Her money and stuff like that And, and they all sort of Like go through everything uh, Kenya was really great On the mic <laughs> How about She by Sheree I know she sold A lot of joggers <laughs> <laughs> um, And then she even Tries to get it from Marlo She's like Come on Monty I know you got five grand In your bag right now And you know Marlo does her five thousand And it's like Yeah I always Don't worry I always for, Always for charity Always for charity and Kenya in her confessional, she'll have to get some more rentals at La eBay to pay for this because ah! I'm not sure she'll come up with, uh, but she'll come up with the money somehow. La eBay, you know, Courtney only donated twenty five hundred when everyone else at the table was donating five thousand. Well, she's not getting the full paycheck. Honey. Yeah, but did you? Know, well, Moneta paid five thousand, and I'll, speaking of Moneta, yes, because Moneta is a booked and blessed choreographer, right? But you were pointing like she lifts the Courtney lifts her paddle and Manana goes no that's mine. <laughs> oh, that was great. It's it's like it blink if you miss it, but yeah, it's really really funny. Um, so Sonya concludes basically like you know Kenya's worth all that damn trouble at the end of the day. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, maybe a thank you, maybe a like you know yeah. Um, and they end up raising seventy eight thousand. So not the hundred thousand, which but like, still almost thirty thousand dollars above their original goal. That's huge. Yeah. So like, it's a good success at the end of the day. And basically, they all leave together, excited about their trip to Portugal and everything that happens there. Um, so yeah. That also, was- make sure you get that donation from Sheree and. Ch- in uh, cash because mm-hmm. the check might not go, and then you know. You know, an invoice will just get ignored. Simon so will just, probably just forgive her for it. Probably. Um, we do also get the mid-season trailer. Uh, and there was a lot in that mid-season trailer. Of, uh, uh, yeah. Including, uh, speaking of lesbians, we talk about lesbians on Drag Race. <laughs> um, I did not know about any of that Drew stuff. That was completely under the radar. Like, yeah, that was a lot. So yeah, and and we'll definitely be seeing more of the Drew Ralph stuff. So that should be very very interesting to see. Overall, and it was an okay episode, kind of a filler episode, I think, for the most part of Atlanta. I'm hoping it picks up in in the second half of the season at the end of the day. Um, but we're going to take a quick commercial break though, and when we when we come back, we're going to be talking Real Housewives of Orange County. Don't go anywhere.
Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and you know, I'm the Riz. And, you, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to a gay is MB. Let's head on up to Montana where the girls get a little ballsy and do some white rotter rafting <laughs> on Real Housewives of OC. Oh, we will get to it. We will get to it. Uh, this episode of OC was really good. It's been good all season. I've loved this Montana trip. I've loved it's it's yeah, it's, it's really good. It's hitting on all cylinders. We come back uh, in the episode from uh, Heather consoling Gina uh, in the track in the trailer um, about you know Gina's breakdown essentially, you know, and and she Heather reiterates the Travis thing about like you know I don't think this is something you need to tell Travis and Gina literally this will come and play later because I have issues with Gina. Gina tells Heather I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I. I have I have the same issues with Gina, I think, that you do. This seemed like, I was like, Gina, what are you doing by the end of this episode? Yeah, right here it was like, oh, you understand. That's lovely. I'm so glad that you, like, understand that you shouldn't be putting all this pressure on Travis, who has absolutely nothing to do with your traumatic past and while you know and we see later while you know when she's discussing it with travis how he's willing to take that on which is lovely but it's not yeah. his responsibility that's the difference he yeah yeah we'll get to that um heather basically tells gina like it, it likely means that you know you haven't really dealt with it at the end of the day yeah and gina says at one point like i don't want to have to acknowledge the fact that i'm still struggling with this right yes and but the thing is I think she falls in, if that's true, like, I think that she then ends this episode by, like, sort of falling into sort of, like, a bad coping mechanism for it, which is then to, yes. instead of deal with it, throw someone else under the bus. Yep. Um, 
Gina basically talks to her confessional like, yo, it still trigger, it'll tr- still trigger things. She's like, I recently attended a wedding at a church, and my wedding was at a church, and so there. Like that is the most like. Like, if it's that minute. Like really, you know, like I once ate McDonald's with him, so every time I see the golden arches, I just. Ugh. Yeah, it's like, like what? Like that's a problem. Like it's like, been three years, ma'am. Yeah, it's. Uh, and Heather, Heather even says, you know, you're allowed to have your feelings and you don't need to stuff them. Like, stop stuffing them. Like, it's not that she wants you to fucking, like, hold them all in and just get over it and just whatever. It's like she just wants you to express them in the right avenue and in a healthy manner so where it doesn't, like, affect your life like this. Like, well, And part of the issue, I think, is because... Gina needs a villain to place her anger and frustration on. Mm-hmm. And because she's not willing to do that with Matt anymore, because she's to a certain degree forgiven him. Right. Now she, she doesn't know how to, what to do with that, those feelings. It's like, you can be angry and it not be directed at someone. You can forgive someone from the hurt that they caused you and still be hurt. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But you have to be, you have to be willing to like put that anger on a situation and put that anger on, you know, like you, you have to be able to assign the, the placement of that anger. And she's not, she's able to only put it on a person. So the second that Heather became, you know, even slightly um, adversarial, right. She put all of that anger onto Heather because it was easier than dealing with it in a healthy way. Yeah. And I think, I also think, I, I think that's really astute. And I also think it's in combination too. I think, I have a feeling Gina also has issues with like people telling her hard truths. Oh, yeah. And like things that are like she needs to hear more than what she wants to hear. Yeah. Like, wasn't that the issue with Emily originally in her yeah. second season? Like, she was like, just because be, Emily... I just want you to be present for me and just like, you know, validate everything I'm saying. And it's like, no, but if I feel like I need you to to guide you a certain way. Because Emily doesn't sugarcoat shit. Yeah. She's a slap you upside the back of the head type person. And she's had to modify the way that she deals with Gina because Gina won't accept hard truths and it's like i get that like sometimes you do need someone to just listen be there and listen and to validate you but there is a difference between validating your feelings and also like um like giving uh, you a pass like and and yes enabling your bullshit yeah. like you can say it is perfectly valid to feel that way and your feelings are valid, but the actions you are taking because of those feelings are fucked up, and you need to reassess this. Right. Exactly. Um, they Heather and Gina hug, and Gina goes, I smell like a fish. <laughs> Funny moment. Um, they go all go change into their pajamas and their tents, uh, and Tamara's telling Shannon about the conversation that she had with Jen and that it went well. Um and that, you know, but then also Tamara, wi- Tamara whispering as if she's not fucking mic'd. Like, first yeah, off, because, by the way, he's not the only married woman he fucked in my gym. It's like, Tamara! <laughs> Tamara is just like, 
I can't. Ugh. I can't with her these last couple episodes. It's like like she, in the best way, but also in the worst way. But also to validate, like I believe in telling my friend all these stuff, all these things, as I then trickle out more information that I'm not directly telling her. Like, come but on. you also know what's going to make it to air, right? Exactly. Tamara's like Tamara's not fucking stupid. She's been on this show for eight million years. Yeah. Tamara's like, if I didn't care about Jen, I wouldn't say anything. It's like, okay, well then say everything then. Mention it all. Mention it all, literally. Um, Heather then suggested they smoke a joint. <laughs> that was the best bad idea I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, I love Heather as the pothead. It's it's it's, it's nice. Good. It's a nice little quirk. Um, they all start eating. Uh, Jen is also wearing high heels with her pajamas in the fucking grass. It's like perfect. Um, Shannon, uh, tells Gina, you know, I hope I, I didn't mean to upset you mm-hmm. because of the conversation. Gina's like, you know, it's not the reason I'm upset. Like, but like it has more, it has nothing to really do with you essentially, Shannon, uh, in that regard. Um, but yeah. And then they're all just sort of commiserating around the fire and Tamara just goes, suddenly I'm very stoned. <laughs> <laughs> and Heather's like, you're fun stone. You need a brownie. <laughs> Um, they, and they, they all basically like Tamara's like, so are we sleeping out here in the tents? And everyone's like, no, absolutely not. not I don't happening. know why anybody thought this was happening. And Tamara's like, fine, let's go back to the villa. Like, why would you? And they literally say it as they're walking back. Why would you sleep in a fucking tent when you've got this fucking huge ass villa? Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, they start smoking more and it's just this like hazy compilation of like, every, like Gina's like pouring champagne down like Tamara's butt crack. Like, yeah, it was so weird. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, but it was fun. Heather uh, wakes Shannon and Tamara up the next morning though. And Shannon keeps talking about like, there was an animal in my room. <laughs> 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 so like, I, not just an animal, not like not a specific animal, not like a, yeah. Um, we then she was like, and it went, yeah, across the floor. <laughs> like Shannon, what are, are you, you hallucinating? What Is it like are you talking about? Um, Jen then FaceTimes Ryan, um, you know, to sort of be like, yeah, the trip's going well, but it's also you know had some like down points and stuff like that. And she really breaks down uh, in front of him, and you know, it's just like the stuff with Tamara and just like that. And you know, she really started to question whether Tamara's her friend. Um, you know, Ryan says like, you know, well, maybe the friendship's not for you or whatever. Like, you know, and like, so, and they'll kind of come into play later. But she also specifically said, I'm not going to tell him about the, about the accusations that she has made on this trip. I'm going to wait and say that in person. And to me, that speaks more to her opinion of him. Yes. 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 Because if she felt like he was someone she couldn't trust then she would have told him over the phone That's a good because point. it would have kept her safe because she could just hang up. Mm-hmm. She's several States away. Like there's no, like there's no danger of him blowing up or anything. She can just hang up and be done. And yeah. then by the time she gets home, he'll have cooled off. Right, right, right. But it says a lot to me about Ryan that Jen was like, I'm going to wait and tell this this to him in person because he deserves this to be face to face. You know, this is not something you talk about over the phone. Like that to me speaks to the level of safety and trust that she feels with him, Mm -hmm. which again, more in my opinion speaks to the truth of 
the matter as far as how he has behaved in this relationship. Right. Yeah. Um, they both, they all divide up as a group. Uh, half of them are going whitewater rafting and the other half are going to go fly fishing. Um, Tamara, Taylor, and Jen are going uh, rafting and they meet up with Kevin. Or Jen, Jen keeps calling him K-Dog. <laughs> They're yeah. ins- their instructor and they're like he looks 15 like we're gonna die on this trip yeah he reminds me a lot of um oh, what's his name from tyler from big brother um, yeah, yeah 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 big brother 20 yeah big brother 20 he reminds me a lot of tyler he's got that same hair yeah it's like tyler on hgh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, yeah um heather shannon and gina are, are going fly fishing though um the, the fly uh, i forgot what his name but the, the guy who's teaching him how to fly fish is like you know i got these waders which are like i guess for uh-huh. the fishing and heather's <laughs> like oh are they cute oh i thought he meant waders like staff like like staff that's gonna like tend to us in the fucking like lake like what uh, what are they supposed to do bring you champs Seth, like but also, your waiters could be cute. Like, they're, they're articles of clothing. They could be cute and have little flowers on them. Sure. Or, you know, whatever. There's a couple, like, um, really pretentious moments from Heather this episode, and that was definitely one of them. Where it was I like, just, I like Heather being, like, unoffensively pretentious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she's always pretentious when it's things that don't matter and it's not talking down to people. It's just... She does kind of make a comment or confessional, though, after this of, like, you know, you know, wa- there's waiters and waiters. I think diction needs to be taught better at the schools in Montana. And it's like, but he said waiters, first off. And two... You assumed the poor diction was waiters yeah. and not waiters. That's on you, Heather. Yeah. And it, yeah, so it was like, that was a little condescending uh, for my liking. <laughs> but at least she did it in the confessional and not to his face. There, that's the thing. You're That's the type of rich I like. You're nice to, as, just be nice to my face. I yeah. know that you're, you know, you could be shit talking me about how poor I am, you know, <laughs> in your own home. But like, yeah. Well, and it's never poor. It's always poor. Poor. Oh, poor poor's. Um, they're going, they're hitting, uh, t- the white rider rafting trip. They're hitting the rapids at like real big pace. And like, th- like Kevin had like instructed them like, you know, okay. So Tamara and Jen, you're on one side. You have to paddle at the same time, basically. And we all have to be like synchronized like, or whatever. Tiny ass Taylor on the, uh, one side by herself. But as soon as they hit the fucking rapids, Tamara just gives up and it's just like not doing it. And just like, like, this is not a roller coaster. Put your arms down. And just ends up screaming and, ta- and Taylor's just going, paddle. Fucking battle! <laughs> 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 you have to fucking battle. It's <laughs> great. Um, and then they're the fly fishing. They're not uh, as successful at. And then there's like a good like what feels like three minutes of them just struggling to get out of the lake. All of them. Shannon's like, can I use this in my cane? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the 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 fly fishing bit is almost you know them flying off their feet because literally all of them have trouble staying up and like heather falls and shannon tries to pick her up and then shannon falls and then like <laughs> it's like a mess it's a complete mess. i think it was gina that fell and said oh it's all in my pants <laughs> yeah it's great um and then the th- like they're the rafting trip like has settled down slightly but then <laughs> taylor turns turns around and she's like this this guy's balls are out. And like it's fully like pixelated yeah, on like, the screen. Like his balls are out. Jen in her confession was like it was like 
purple and looked like cold and shriveled. <laughs> oh, man. And I love ta- Taylor, like, breaking... Because Taylor's been trying to be quiet about it and, like, be coy. She's like... And, and then they start talking and they're like, sandwiches for lunch. I wish they would give us, like, I don't know, like, spaghetti and meatballs or something. <laughs> like, very, like, trying to, like... It's like, how can I make them break right now? <laughs> it's great. She kept making so many sly remarks like that. It was funny. Yeah. Um, they get ready for their last night in Montana uh, for their dinner. Uh, Tamara is curling Shannon's hair um, in the bathroom or whatever. Uh, Heather like goes in to get like a curling iron or whatever. Apparently, this was like a very crucial scene. We would later find out <laughs> it was so innocuous. That it I was, was like, so like random. It was like what? And then, uh, well, and then like so Heather le- leaves, and then Tamara makes a comment to Shannon of, "I can add this to my IMBD," <laughs> and like. I'm like, okay, Tamara, you're really proving the point you didn't shit talk Heather at yeah. that lunch, right? Yeah. You're really proving it. Um, they they all start to sit down for dinner. Again, again, the Malibu slander. Jen goes, I'm going to do a Red Bull in Malibu. And Heather goes, really? It's delicious, Heather. Come on. Um, the, ta- like the, It the, tastes like college and regret. Exactly. Um, ta- someone pours like water from like a glass pitcher, and like we found out that the sound of like water being poured from a pitcher like really triggers Tamra. But it's not even just water; it has to be ice water. It's you, the ice. It's cubes. the like, and it's clearly like the like the ice that's like half melted. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, I can. It's a very specific trigger. Yeah, it, it makes sense though. I could I can understand that. Um, they go through their sort. What of, is that a reference to? Because I missed it. Which the the ice in the glasses? Why is that a trigger? Oh, she just says she hates the sound. Like she's like, that's not a trigger. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what a trigger is, Tamara. No, <laughs> no. She when she was five years old, and she no. I thought a, maybe it was a reference to like a really bad fight from an earlier season, and she was like doing a callback thing. Oh, uh, but. It's like I don't. I figured you would know because you have housewives. The only the only thing I can like the only thing about like a pitcher of water I can think of is the married to medicine fight. What about your lesbian relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait for that shit to come back and Phaedra to be on it. I'm so excited for Phaedra. They all go over their highs and lows, right? Of 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 the trip. Mm -hmm. What do they call them? Pits and peaks. Yeah. Peaks and pits. Gina had a word for it. I can. Yeah, it's like it's something like that. Call it a rose and thorn. We we know we're on Bravo. That's the standard Bravo terminology. It's a rose and a thorn. Yeah. Shannon basically talks about reconnecting with Tamara, and she's like, "I never thought I would get the chance to do this, you know, and and you know, after all these years and stuff like that. So it's really beautiful for me, etc." Heather, uh, they go to Heather. Heather talks about how her high was shoveling shit with Gina, uh, and the way, but the way she says it, she's like, because you know. It's good to do stuff like that and to remind you, you know, how hard everyone works and that it takes all these people doing different jobs to give us beautiful food and lives. And everyone's like, like, I got what she was saying. She was like, hey, we should appreciate people that are like doing all these jobs every day. And like, we shouldn't take this shit for granted because it's like hard work. She then says, we all have our place in the world. It's like, okay, Okay. (laughs) all right. Like, I understood the sentiment, but girl. It very was like, we all have our place. And mine is at, mine is in a beautiful castle <laughs> with a champagne room and, <laughs> and a private chef. Uh, 
Um, Heather then says that her talks about her low and then like starts to get teared up and she's like, you know, and then she, <laughs> it was so weird because Tamara and Shannon were so confused. She's like, cause she starts bringing up, you know, you know, we first met eight years ago, you know, Shannon and you know, it was, you know, all the things that happened and sort of there. And like, you know, I was at a, strenuous time with Tamara at the time and I had felt really left out because you and Tamara had become friends. We see all like the flashbacks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And Heather's like, you know, you guys, you know, and earlier today, like you guys were talking in the bathroom and like you didn't open the door and it just made me sad. And Tamara and Shannon are like, what? <laughs> like, well, and Gina does a better job of explaining this on watch what happens live where she's like, well, it makes sense because, like, Shannon and Heather had really become close. And then when Tamara comes back, it was almost as if Tamara was taking all of that attention that was coming to Heather. And she was taking all of it for herself. And it was now Tamara and Shannon and Heather sure. was on the outside. So I can understand why Heather felt that way. But also then her explanation of, well, that just happened. And I really didn't want to bring up the thing that was with uh, Taylor, the, the huge fight that I had with Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't want to go back there because we had already resolved this. And I'm like, girl, you could have just said, you know, we had this awful fight, Taylor, and I'm just so glad that we're past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she did not want to, like... She didn't want to mention that fight at all. And then it got brought up. And then Taylor brings it up as her thorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, and Shannon... But Shannon's, like, confused by this whole thing. Shannon's like, you know, Heather wasn't denied from our room or whatever. Like, Heather was literally on our bread, on our bed pr- just prior to that. And they see the, show the clip of it. And she's like, there was not a do not disturb sign on the door. Like She's literally laying on the bed, ki- feet kicking in the air. It's like... You couldn't have been more like high school hangout yeah. besties sort of thing. And Shannon's like, how much attention do you need, Heather? <laughs> like, yeah. Tamara says, like, can't we all be friends? And Heather's like, look, it's a me issue. It's not a you issue. Like, like, I, like she's like, I'm not trying to like blame you guys for it, which like, okay. Like, but like, but I also get it. Like she's, she's saying this is not because you've done anything wrong. This is because I felt a certain way and I need to get over that. Sure. Yeah, I guess. Um, Heather ends up getting up for the table, I guess, to just like stretch or something. And Shannon and Tamara then start talking and Shannon's like, I feel like I'm fucking back eight years ago, but you and her were never as close as you and I were. I mean, like, it wasn't like she was replaced. Like, which, yeah, like I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say Tamara and Heather's friendship prior to Shannon coming on the show was like the tightest like sure. sort of thing as opposed to like Tamara and Shannon or Tamara and Vicky or Well and then Shannon and Heather had all of that tension last season. So it was like, okay, so like what is going on here? Like what are what are you why are you feeling replaced? I don't get it. Yeah. Um and Shannon's in her confessional basically thinking that like Heather views this as like a competition or something. Like it's like, you know, one or the other and like I have to have the best this, I have to have the best house or whatever. It's like it's not it shouldn't be like that. 
Um, Heather then comes back to the table. I love Heather's like casual, like come back to the table, be like, you know, lights on strings just make everything look so much fancier, don't they? And she is right. Very true. Um, and, but Shannon then is like, you know, Heather, I have an issue with like what you said about, you know, you're low. And honestly, I'm just, and Shannon's like, I'm just getting angrier the more I think about it. <laughs> Tamara asks, like, why would it be a low? And Heather's like, I would, I would have no other low except for, well, except for Taylor. And Heather's like, you know, I, Heather mentions, I didn't want to go back there. And then Shannon goes, so you know what? You didn't want to go back to the true low. So let's go and put a low on Shannon and Tamara, who after two and a half fucking years are finally getting it along. We've been through a lot, and I've never thought I would be sitting across from her again. I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> Oh, this was not that big of a deal. It wasn't, but like... (laughs) But that's kind of why I love this season. But of course Shannon would respond like this, though. Right. Like, this is so... Like, like, Shannon, like, takes a lot of stuff to heart, like, very, like, intensely like that. So, yeah. Heather's like, I'm sorry I shared it, you know? And then we find out from Heather in their confessional, like, it's just been... It's also really... Not even that one moment in the bathroom. It's just a buildup of things for like the last two days of just them gravitating towards each other and right. like, you know, whatever. Yeah, I get it, but it's also, again, like they had a relationship to repair. So yeah. it's like, you know. Um, Heather tells Shannon, like, I didn't think of the ramifications of saying it out loud and I, and I apologize. And Shannon's like, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Taylor mentions that her low was the confusion with Heather, apologizes to her for everything. Heather's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, did the uh, script reading with you out of the kindness of my heart and all that stuff. You know, just in the future, <laughs> talk to me instead of everyone in, in the friend group. And I'm like, okay, but that, like, yes, could Taylor have talked to you about her feelings directly, which she ended up doing on, in, in the first night on the trip, technically. But, like, instead of going around to other people and, and talking to Tamara, yeah. But, but also, also, Heather could have said, hey, so put me in touch with your producer right. and we'll, we'll get everything squared away so that I can talk with details. It's like you also need to communicate, too. Yeah, like clearly she doesn't know what she's doing. Like if you know that she doesn't know what she's doing or you have some inkling, just drop a, yeah, so put me in touch with the right person and we'll figure out if it works. Yeah. Instead of just blowing it off like it's not a real thing. Exactly. Um, Jen basically is like, I had a really great time bonding with you guys and making new friendships. Um, And, you know, my low was just some of the bad stuff. And she's like, Gina, I'm really, I really hate that, you know, I'm such a tricker for you um, in all this. And Gina's like, you know, I, I understand. Like, it's complicated because I feel bad that you feel bad, essentially. Tamara then asks Gina if she misses her life with Matt. And Gina's like, it has nothing to do with Matt. It it has something to do with Matt. Yeah, <laughs> and starts crying again. And she, but it's like again, it's like, are you doing? Are you just saying this to tell yourself that like it's you know, like I was saying, she's trying to convince herself that she is no longer upset with Matt because she has forgiven Matt. Yeah, and she has moved forward and has a different relationship with him now. But it's like. Girl, you still need to own the fact that there's some negative emotions there, and he needs to own the fact that he caused that. Right. Yeah. Um, she's like, the, you know, it was just that the rug was pulled out, and she's bawling at this point. The rug was pulled out from underneath me, and I, you know, I didn't have time to process it. And Shannon's like, you know, Gina, like, I really want you to work through this. I want you to, you know, get to the other side. You know, I just worry that, you know, with Travis and stuff like that, how he'll handle, like, she's, and, and then, like, she's, like, halfway through the sentence, and Heather goes, 
put up with it, you know, you know, and she's like, yeah, like, that's what I said last night. And then Gina goes, don't say put up with it, Heather. These are my feelings. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I, I get, I get why Gina was upset with that phrasing, but also it was clearly just poor phrasing. Yeah. And then, but then in her confessional, she's like, it's, it's, it'd be one thing if it was just like a moment thing, but it's like, then in her confessional, she goes like, I mean, I am surprised and hurt that Heather hasn't seemed to have any concern for me about last night. And then they do this flashback of Heather, like the night before where she's just hanging out with everybody because they're fucking high off their asses. Yeah, they show that later in the conversation with Travis. It's like, what did you want her to do? Like, like just console you like a, I'm not trying to minimize you, but like console you like a baby. Like what? Like, like, like she was floating in the rafters. You were like sitting in the couch cushions. What did you want? Yeah. <laughs> like, she, she continues her confessional. She's like, it's like she's making referring to Heather. It's like she's making a total spectacle of my issues and my problems. I'm now questioning if Heather truly is my friend or not. Who, how is Heather making a spectacle of it? I, Gina, I know you know that you're on a reality television show. Yeah. You you signed that contract. It's like... You are the one making a spectacle of all of your... like Genuinely. You, like, you know what's making a spectacle of it? You, like, flipping out, like, every fucking, like... But also, you know what's making a spectacle of it? Putting it on national television. Yeah. Exactly. Ugh. They all pack up for the night, and then they uh, return to OC... Um, we are back there and we see that Tamara and Eddie are going on a hike. Um, oh boy. Yeah. We find out a little bit that sort of what Eddie's going to be doing in the transition uh, now that Cut Fitness is closed. They still, I forgot they have their CBD company, Vina. Right. Um, and they have their, they're going to be setting up an office now. And so it's, you know, going to do full production. They do THC products now. So yeah. So they got, they got that going um, with everything. Tamara then uh, pulls Eddie aside and tells him the Ryan story about him. They allegedly saying, I was going to, fu- I'm going to fuck Tamara the first time he saw her or whatever. And he's like, really? Cause I was uh, at a get together with one of Ryan's friends and he had basically told me like he has a reputation for going after married women and that I need to keep an eye on my wife. Oh boy. And I was like, Oh God. Like, and, and again, could this whole scene have been set? Possibly. I wouldn't put it past Tamara and Eddie. Like, yeah. Like, cause if like, remember when like the, they brought up the whole Shannon John fighting earlier in the season, like mm-hmm. stuff, it's like, Tamara's not afraid to use Eddie in her, in her plan. I'll just say that. You know, Tamara also tells Eddie that Ryan has already cheated on her. Which is, again, not true. Well, yes. Because she's talking about the time that they were on a break. They were no longer together. Right. And it's like, that's not cheating. That's like... Also, you don't get to say it's cheating if she says that wasn't cheating. Exactly. But like, she's like, Jen just keeps making excuses. And then she's like, it reminds, it's, you know, I get really, I don't know if she said triggered, but she was like, it gets me, you know, seeing these kind of things happen. Like, it reminds me of Vicky and Brooks all over again. Oh, Lord. And she's basically like, at the end of the day, like, I can smell bullshit from a mile away. And it's like, yes. And I, again, that, this is the, we'll get to it with the Jen Ryan conversation. 
that's the brilliance of Tamra. Yeah. Like there were moments this episode where I was like, well, maybe uh-huh. well, it could. And it's like, it's like, damn it, Tamra. <laughs> this is what, like, she's such a good gaslighter. Yeah. Like, it, and that's, that's the problem with it all. But it's like to compare. Sandoval, it, take some notes. <laughs> there you go. Because you're bad at it. But to compare it to like Vicky and Brooks, it's like, but also I could tell Vicky was covering for Brooks most yeah. of the time. Like, Jen does not give me that. I do not get that vibe from Jen whatsoever. Yeah. Could Ryan be doing these things? Yes. Could she either not know about it or, you know, be hiding, you know, be, you know, putting certain things in the back of her mind and being like, well, that's not a big deal or whatever. Possibly. That's possible. I don't think she's outright lying. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't see that as a possibility. Um, we see Emily taking Annabelle to a photo shoot for like this like sportswear uh, thing. It's like An- Annabelle's first shoot that she's gotten the chance to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't much. It was a cute little scene. You know, yeah. Emily's proud of her and all that stuff. Emily does make a comment about like, I would love to be the new Yolanda and Gigi, but considering that my husband's five seven, I'm like, <laughs> what? That, Emily, oh Shane. Oh Shane. Um. <laughs> we just see like the next scene of Emily and Annabelle and it's Emily just shoving almonds in Annabelle's mouth. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> You do not want to be the Yolanda. No, <laughs> Emily, no. You are way better than Yolanda. Um, uh, we then, okay. So now we go to Jen and Ryan over at Ryan's house where Jen then decides to have this conversation with Ryan about everything. Um, you know, she's like the environment was great. It was, you know, great atmosphere in Montana and all that stuff. But then, you know, then tells her about him about the Tamra comment. And Ryan's like, is she joking? Like I, I couldn't tell with his reaction. He didn't come off like he was lying. Yeah. It came, it came off as real. I really would have expected him to be extremely defensive or deflective or, or trying to like, or shifting the blame or yeah. something, but he never did that. Like he didn't do any of the standard lying techniques right he just said no that's that's not and i'm kind of hurt that she would say that i i feel like i wanted to i want to know i mean we can't really know but like what his personality was like before the show yeah because like that if it was a stark difference that would have been like a key to me yes but so i don't really know in that regard but like i didn't you know like you said those certain signs that you mentioned like i didn't see them yeah so you know, and Jen basically says that Heather Amin, who is uh, uh, Tamara's friend, um, uh, was basically like a sister to Ryan for a certain, like for a long time. Tamara even says in her confessional, like it was a certain point where it was like me, Jen, and Heather were the new three amigas, essentially. And that Jen was Jen then talks about how Heather would basically like drop these dimes about Ryan, you know, and reframe it as like I'm looking to protect you and and all this stuff, but that you know. She wouldn't give the full story, and then she would swear that I wouldn't tell Ryan and and all this stuff. So at a certain point, we just broke off the friendship, and like, and it didn't work out. See, to me, there, I want to get to know this Heather person a little bit better. Yeah, because the fact that she apparently has also been in the running to be on the show—that's what—and that seen. Jen was also in the running back in season fourteen to be on the show. Mm-hmm. So it's like. What is this connection? Is there any sort of jealousy here going on? Is there like some motivation to what's happening? Right, there's something happening in the background here, and I'm I can't quite put my finger on it yet, but there's something, and we'll get it. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. we get to meet 
Heather a little bit more. I think she's been on screen, right? Or is it just in pictures? Just in pictures on this season. I don't know if in past seasons she's been at, like, events or whatever. But, like, I I think we need to see her on camera only for, like, uh, to get a better sense of, like, what her intentions are. Right. Um, And Jen's like, you know, Tamara also said, like, she hasn't even told Eddie. Ryan's like, I'll tell Eddie, like, because it's not true. Like, you know. And Jen's basically like, you know, and Jen makes a comment too of like, you know, you know, there's things I could say, but I love her and Eddie so much that I'm just biting my tongue. <laughs> and I'm like, that's really interesting. I, I, I hope the, the preview for next week where we see the star of Tamra throwing that napkin in, in Jen's face, like, I'm like, oh, yeah. what caused that? Yeah. I, I want to see. I'm, I'm like, excited. I'm hoping it's something to do with that. Ryan makes a comment of like, like I guess this is like a turn of phrase in his mind. He goes, "What's next? Like a bunny in a pot?" And I'm like, "What?" I I don't get that at no. all. Uh, Ryan is like, you know, Ryan says something about like jealousy's a bitch. Like you know, I just don't have time to entertain like the bullshit of like all this basically. And Jen's basically like, I'm not going to operate in a friendship where Tamara, you know, talks behind my back you know, doesn't think that I'm telling the truth on certain things, tries to spin my relationship and all that to other people, and then doesn't come to me and tell me things. Like, that's not how I'm going to operate in this friendship. Yeah. Which I agree. Um, We go to Gina's and Travis's, and they're getting the kids down for bed, and they're having dinner. Um, Gina is basically briefing him on everything that happened in Montana. She's like, I'm not fully recovered from Montana. And like... When I found out Emily couldn't make it, I was like, cool, I, at least I have Heather. But now I'm the most upset with Heather. And she's like, I feel like my friendships are usually very easy. She says this in her confessional. And I have very few extremely close friendships where I let them pass a certain boundary. I don't, I don't know if her friendships are easy. No. <laughs> like... Emily. I would ask the other people whether those friendships are easy. I mean, look at Emily, look at Shannon, look at like like Yeah. I I would I would have difficulty being Gina's friend. I, I I think I would have difficulty being Gina's friend for long. Yes. In the good um, moments it would be great. Yes. But anything beyond that. Um, she is reminding me in this moment of an ex friend of mine who would never take advice Mm -hmm. and no matter how many times that we, me and my group of friends tried to give this person advice, never took a lick of it, but she always came to us for advice. Yes. I, yeah. I know it's it's very that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Gina tells Travis that basically Heather thought that, you know, I shouldn't share the issues I was having with you. And Gina goes like, I saw her point, but then like, I went back to the bunkhouse and I didn't want to call you because Heather made me feel like I shouldn't call you. But like Heather didn't text me or call me or check in with me. She didn't even care because Tamara was there. And I'm like, no, she didn't care because Mary Jane was there. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, she was floating in the rafters and you were buried under all the couch cushions. You look like Brooklyn Heights hiding from that fucking fight and untucked. Yeah. But it's like, like, <laughs> it's like she didn't text me or call me or check in on me hours after she checked on me. I don't I, like, like, does she need to check in every hour? Like, Is I that a thing? I don't get that. Um, uh, 
she she's like it went from being concerned in the car before to being calculated and i'm like what's the calculation what does heather get out of it yeah i i, I did not get that com- that uh comment yeah. I didn't understand that at all. And then she like, and then the next night, you know, she started talking about you and how much can Travis take, and I got fucking pissed. And I'm like, yeah, but that she was, it was like you kind of. That's also of, completely out of context. You cut Heather off as she was just like reiterating, like, to like Shannon was making a point, and Heather was like, I said that in the car. That's literally yeah. all she said. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, Gina asked Travis if she should talk to him about these things. And Travis was like, absolutely. Like, it's one of my jobs. And, and she's, and Travis, Travis gets a confessional too, which I was surprised by. She's like, Gina has, he's like, Gina had something traumatic happen to her, but I think that she's done a good job to come to terms with that. I'm like, no, she hasn't though, because she she's, hasn't. she's breaking down at the side of a church. <laughs> yeah. That's not healthy. No. And like, but that's like, and it again, it's one thing for him to notice that she is struggling and for him to offer to take that burden right. for her. It is something completely different for her to turn to him and dump that burden onto him. That is not okay. Yeah. But if he offers to take that, absolutely you should share that with him. But it's not something you should bring to him first. Right. Like, and, and again, this is also something you need to talk to with a therapist. You need this. Uh, yes. Like a licensed person needs to work with you on this. Sorry. Travis basically is like, I would be upset if you weren't coming to me about this stuff. And Gina's like, you know, I just want things to stay good. And, you know, I'm always, she makes to talk about like, she does the rug analogy again, but she's like, I'm always worried like the sh- it's going to drop essentially. And that's why like, I'm like, you know. And all- I get that. Yeah, when totally you, valid. Like, when you have someone that is compl- always like in your past, when you have the trauma of 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 betrayal, you literally do not trust good times. You right. don't trust safety because it's in those moments where betrayal hurts the worst. Yeah, like so you can never feel safe. You're always on guard. You're always in that fight or flight mode. And that is called CPT or CPTSD mm-hmm. complex PTSD. Like you'd need to see a therapist. Honestly, like that's, and that's really all Heather's saying at the end of the day. And she's, and she's just like, you know, Travis is my person. And the fact that Heather doesn't even know that it's a little disturbing within our friendship. And it's like, could he, could you have, couldn't you have just told her? Like, uh-huh. like, like when she said, I don't think Travis should be hearing this. Couldn't you be like, but Travis is great with this, et cetera, whatever. That's not what you did. You were like, I agree. It's also a difference between you telling Travis about these things, which is fine. Saying this is something I'm struggling with. That's not an issue, but you shouldn't be working these things out with Travis. Yeah, this yeah. should not be a situation where you're like exploring your inner dialogue and your thought process and all of your traumas and all of these things. That's what a therapist is for. Right. Like sharing that you were struggling. That is what he is for. Then picking apart that struggle in order to figure out where to heal it is not 
you tell your friend, you tell your boyfriend, you tell your whoever that you have a broken leg. You don't expect him to take that leg and fix it. Yeah. That's why you see a doctor. It's, it's like, like they're trained for this. Like they're literally trained to help you heal trauma. Yeah. Your boyfriend is not. And Travis is basically, like, I think you just need to be honest with Heather about it and have a conversation with her. And like, so I think, and it just was baffling to me, just her, the way she just was like so anti Heather and like, so like, like in terms of everything. And it was like, so it's either one or two things. There's a sort of optimistic and a pessimistic view, I think as a housewife fan, right? Optimistic view is I, I take everything at face value. Right? right. And it's clear. And to me, it's, she didn't want to hear the hard advice. She didn't want to hear the tough sort of like stuff about like, you, this is something that you need to fix that mm-hmm. you have not fixed. And this is, this is trauma that you have to go to a therapist and deal with and not sort of sweep under the rug, which is a pattern for her. Correct. She didn't like hearing that and was basically like, fuck Heather, you know, mm-hmm. now she's my enemy. The, the more pessimistic view, which is, I mean, default and say someone's doing something for a storyline. I think Gina was, if there was a pessimistic view on this, it was that Gina was like, I need a feud this season. You know, I'm not going to, I, according to Taylor, she's too afraid of Tamara, allegedly. Mm-hmm. She tried to start the Jen stuff, right? And then Jen handled right. it. Like you, like Jen handled it perfectly. Was like, I'm sorry you feel that way, and and that it's not my responsibility to hand to, you know, handle your feelings in terms of that regard. But I do feel bad. She handled it completely professionally and like sort yeah. of like respectfully to where that's not something to happen. Gina would like if if Gina's looking for a feud, right? She would want Jen to be like, you expect me to do that, blah 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 blah, and then create right. a fight, and that didn't happen. So and then she saw how everything happened with Taylor and Heather and, so, and was like, well, I had some tension with Heather at the beginning of this season. Let's let let's, me try this Heather train. Uh huh. That's where if I'm looking at it from a purely pessimistic perspective of she's just doing this for storyline purposes. But I also I but I, it makes sense both ways. Do I feel like maybe she is leaning into it? Yes, maybe. But I think ultimately it is it is what it looks like. Yeah. But could she be leaning into it for a storyline? Yeah, but I think the drama is real. Sure. I just think maybe it slightly amped. Like maybe from a five to a seven. It just came out of nowhere. Just to, like. To where it was like. It gave me that pause, but I do agree that there is sort of a, it may, it makes, it does make sense at the very least. And it did so snowball it, naturally out of the gin stuff. Sure. So it's not like it fully came out of nowhere. It's just the Heather involvement came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, Heather inserted herself into that. Right. Yeah. But overall, great episode of OC. Yeah. Loving what's happening with it, with them over there. Really, really good stuff. Can't wait to see next week. All right. Let's talk about tops and bottoms. We got Drag Race. We got Atlanta. We got OC. What you thinking? Tops and bottoms for the week. I'm going to start with my top. Uh, I'm going to give it to Jen over Ooh, on OC. Yeah. I, Jen's been great. I love Jen. I think she's the right amount of humor. I think she's the right amount of genuineness. I think she's the right amount of drama. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for her every time she's on screen. Like, I thought she handled the conversation with Ryan great. I thought... I And I'm... and. 
if Ryan is terrible and if Ryan is doing all these things and is at the end of the day, I'm rooting for her. Right. You know what I mean? Like I want what's best for her. And that's honestly what's more important to me at the end of the day. So it ends up working out in the end, whether or not it's true. Right. Like, so I, I, I really am. I think she's one of the best new additions on housewives in a long time. I I think she's a, does a really great job on there. Um, my bottom for this week, I'm going to give it to, I, 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 I really going to give it to the production over on Atlanta. I think that they, it's so bad. I've nailed, I've nailed it down that like, that is the issue. I think we talk around it way too much. Like I mentioned before about like what casting needs to look like and stuff like that. And casting is important, but it's like, if there, if the structure is bad, like, you know, it's like. I think of the best seasons of Atlanta and the the characters that were played out, they just kind of let them play out and they didn't like, yeah, you know, they didn't overproduce. They didn't have agendas for the most part. They didn't like, you know, like they let them sort of like run freely in a way that I think is sort of being hampered right now. And they feel they can feel them sort of being hampered. I just realized we didn't even talk about it during the Atlanta thing. The biggest thing of why we had this issue was that during the Kenya commercial, um, based off of the trailer for the season. Oh, right. They completely cut Cynthia. They completely cut Cynthia's appearance. And I'm like, what the fuck? One, I'm, I'm sick of this whole, like, put stuff in the trailer and then not put it in the season. Yeah. It's annoying the fuck out of me. Like, everything in the trailer should be in the season. Period. Right. But, like, I, uh, that was one of the things I was most excited for from the trailer was to see Cynthia. Yeah. And particularly seeing Cynthia in Kenya. Yeah. When they had, you know, you know when they were in a better place. Because, like, uh, like, the last time we saw them was on uh, Girls Trip 1. Yeah. Where they had that tension and they had that frustration. And it would be so nice to see them in back in a healthy, happy place. Right. But it's like, they cut that last season, the reunion, they cut the drew hair flipping into Sonya moment. When they made that such a big deal in the trailers. It's it's like, why cut that? That's such a, like, that's actual something juicy. That's something like interesting, you know, like instead of just like (sighs) more stuff about them being business people, it's like, this episode felt like filler too because it was like everyone was just promoting their businesses. Yeah. And it was just like they weren't like, f- I get like there, ha- you can have tensions in a friend group like on Housewives. That's normal. But it's like they just, f- it just feels like they're clocking in for a job. Yeah. And I think part of that is because of the production. I think part yeah. of that is of how they structured everything. And when you have even like Kenya, Kenya was tweeting about like, I, like it really sucks that they fucking cut Cynthia from that scene. Yeah. Like it, it like, I think that's a that's a major major issue that they need to work, to fix and deal with because I, you can do as many cast changes as you want. It's not going to fix the issue until you get to, until you overhaul things in that regard. Well, and part of the issue that we've had so far with Marlo this season is because this production company has set a precedent mm-hmm. of being anti Kenya and like. Remember they cut the, I think I talked about it, the, where they cut all the um, context as to why Kenya had an issue with Portia's Black Lives Matter activism yep. and didn't show the full, even though there were, film, there were scenes filmed that would have shown it. Yeah. Like, so it, it is clearly Kenya has like rubbed somebody in the production team the wrong way. I guess. And so they're just giving her the middle finger until she quits in frustration. Mm. That's what I think is happening. 
And it's anybody aligned with her gets that same middle finger. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah. Tops what about and bottoms. You, um, so, I think I want to give my top to Tamara. Uh, I know we've talked about how she's just the first and best to do the damn thing. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's so, she's so good at it. And when we have seen people like Marlo do this, try to do this poorly, it is so refreshing to see her back and doing this orchestrating of drama clearly, like right on the screen, right? We see her doing it. But she does it in a way that's so artful. And it is so like well thought out and planned. And mm-hmm. it's so messy and so entertaining. And it's just, it's, it's a sight to behold. Another person who does it really, really poorly, and that was uh, highlighted in this week's um, episode, is Kim Zolciak. Oh, God. Because she tried to pull some of that shit at that dinner. as like heavy-handed, like so trying heavy-handed. to create like control the narrative and it's like girl you're here for one scene eat your dinner yeah i i didn't realize how much i did not miss kim until that dinner like re- like really. like i really thought we were gonna get that dinner and and it would really paint a picture of why she needed to be back on the show like we have talked before i think on this podcast about how well, could Kim come back? Could that be good? Could that? No. Yeah. No. I that w- sink, that ship has sailed, it has sunk, and it has imploded next to the Titanic wreckage. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I think, like, I forgot, I was thinking, like, recently of, like, uh, I think there was a topic someone posed on Twitter or something about, like, what's the one housewife or something like that that you just find completely irredeemable? Like, there's no good qualities. And I'm like... I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, I don't have many. Like, even, like, Teresa, yep. when I get annoyed. Like, at, there's moments of Teresa I like. And there's certain like elements of Kelly Dodd was entertaining for yeah. a time. Yeah, and, and, and could make me laugh in certain moments and, and stuff like that. Vicky, you know, same way. I don't, like, some people hate Vicky to the point of, you know, like, revile her. But even I'm, like, I find some redeemable qualities in there's her There's some one-hit there. wonders, like, over on Beverly Hills, like, uh, uh, Carlisle. Carlton. Carlton. Carlisle. <laughs> I don't know what her fucking name is. She's the witchy bitch yeah. that is, like, giving all of us a bad name. The but, o- like, the only, my point being, like, the only one that, now that I think about it, that I think is, I can't find, I don't find any positive quality of is Kim Zolciak. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. She just is so her and the one that snuck into fucking the White House. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody watched that. Nobody watched DC. But it's like compulsive liar, like doesn't own anything, doesn't engage really even in like sort of like she'll just like not even just engage in an argument on its merits. Like yeah, yeah. I I'm not a fan of Kim. Like the the. Not so thinly veiled racism. Yeah. On a, and on an all black cast, mm-hmm. it's like, girl, really? Really? You're going to say that slick shit here? Like, you you could get away with some of that shit over on Beverly Hills or on OC, like when it's 
all white people. And then when get con- when you get confronted on it, double down with the whole I don't see color. Like, well, okay, I, I take that back. We we have we have Garcelle and uh, Crystal now on uh, Beverly Hills, and Kelly Dodd said she was black on OC. There so you know, we we've had people of color. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we also had Noel, but well, yeah, Noella, Noella. actually, yeah, Noella. <sighs> I'd ra- she's another one that I'm like, oh, I don't know if she has redeeming qualities either. But no, she's in that Kelly Bensimone camp for me where I'm like, at least you're crazy. At least like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. She is very Kelly Bensimone. Oh, man. Can you imagine Noella at Scary Island? Oh, Holy shit. Anyway, yeah, like Kim is someone who tries to orchestrate things like Tamara did, tries to follow that script, but does it so poorly. And it's just, I, it, it's bad, honey. It's really bad. Really bad. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And And we're we're out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.